Good evening, basketball fans. Welcome into Division Three as we get D- Division Three. Welcome into Hoopsville as we cover Division Three basketball. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into the show. Hope you are enjoying your Thursday as we're midway through January with a ton to talk about in Division Three basketball. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us. Just going to have to use my personal account, unfortunately. Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Also, we are simulcasting live on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can certainly interact with us there. We're also live simulcasting on YouTube at D3Hoopsville there as well. Um... Let's see, YouTube's youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville is a better way of saying that. I apologize. Uh, Also, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, though uh, we don't interact on there. There's only so much we can do on a general night. Though with Facebook's interactions with Instagram, we certainly do our best to interact there, but we'll do our, you know, you can certainly try. Um, I already see a a comment or a question or something in there. Um, Uh... From Drew, and Drew will we'll discuss that in just a moment. Uh, I think it's an interesting point, and uh, I am the only, not the only one who, I mean, you are not the only one who shares that frustration. Uh, let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about the guest tonight. We're going to take a little bit of a different turn after we get this opening block on the air. We're actually going to go immediately to our WBCA Center Court segment. Sonia Rahman, the head coach of MIT Women's Basketball, will join us. going to talk about something I think a lot of coaches... Well, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that coaches do, but I don't think a lot of coaches have figured out how to master, as it were. That might be a little bit of a misnomer. We will talk about um, relations with alumni. This is especially for coaches who maybe are are new. Uh, Relationships with alums, um, getting them to contribute not only to the program, but to the institution. Uh, It's all important. Uh, we'll talk to her about how she's doing. Interestingly enough, we actually have two segments this year regarding um, this kind of theme, but the differences in them. And I thought it certainly is worth diving into. So MIT's coach, and remember, MIT's a little bit different than a lot of schools. You'll remember in conversations I've had, or if you're on the chat up boards, you'll know me saying this uh, as well. They rely on their alumni quite a bit. And the men, for example, travel to a lot of different places because of their alums or can't travel because of their alums. So we'll talk to her about what spurred her to uh, get going uh, with alumni relationships or where she's wanted to take it. And then where she's seen some success and trust me, they've seen some success. So we'll talk to her about that. Uh, we'll also briefly talk about her team. They haven't even played a new Mac game, so it might be hard to talk about the new Mac, but we'll get her sense on things in the new Mac. Then we'll talk uh, some men's basketball. We'll start with the number 11th ranked Nebraska Wesleyan Prairie Wolves. Talk to Dale Wellman about his squad. Most importantly, what might be a little bit of a different ARC race than they are used to, but also let's get a pulse of the uh, champs from a few years back. Dale Wellman will join us in the... Uh, NABC Coaches Corner. Also, the NABC Coaches Corner, uh, Daryl Keckler will join us from Drew. They've already experienced the, well, we thought we were on top of the conference experience. They played uh, la- uh, They played in the landmark, obviously, last night against Scranton. Scranton defeated them. I think that game was at Scranton, if memory serves. Forgive me as I keep playing with my glasses. Um, we'll talk to Daryl about the outcome of that game, but more importantly, we will talk to him about 
is this, I mean, the race isn't over, certainly, but how do they get back on top outside of just obviously beating Scranton the next time they face him? And uh, joke, jokes, uh, a little bit of joke, uh, do I get to see him on Saturday? There's a bit of a winter weather uh, moving its way across the country, a couple storms. One of them is heading its way towards the Mid-Atlantic and New England, and in the Mid-Atlantic, depends on the, the um, broadcaster, the meteorologist you're listening to, we're going to get anywhere from up to about six inches, but more likely a couple of inches of snow in this Baltimore region, and then that's going to finish off with ice. But if you're just north of us, it might be more snow. If you're just west of us, it might be more ice. If you're northeast of us, I have no idea. So postponements and delays have already been posted for some. I know the Centennial Conference is already moving some games around because next week's also a three-week women's game schedule, I believe. So they're already making some changes. We'll jokingly talk with Daryl about whether he'll his team will be making the trip to Goucher. A few years back, uh, there was a big blizzard in the in the Mid-Atlantic region. Not that we don't have a lot of a number of those over the years, but one in particular, uh, 40 inches of snow got uh, dumped on our region. And interestingly enough, Drew couldn't make the trip to Goucher. We ended up playing that game on, on Monday to an empty campus for a lot of reasons. So Daryl will join us. And then we'll go back to women's basketball and the 11th or the ninth ranked Transylvania, um, Transylvania women's team will come on the show. Julie Folks will join us to talk about her squad and the Pioneers and what they're up to, uh, their race for the top of the HCAC. All of these talking about races and in the grind of January how what can happen to drew if it's if it's what i'm you know thinking it is it's just the grind can get to you the travel can get to you don't stevens went and and lost this week on one of their trips it can get to you by the way speaking of delays a moment ago many of you might know that a few years back in the ncaa rules they changed the pre-game and halftime dunking rules in the uh in the ncaa and the rule basically is that in the past you couldn't you couldn't dunk and you, and you couldn't uh, do that at halftime or pregame. And a lot of people thought it was an intimidation thing. And really, it was a logistics thing. It was a hardware thing. They didn't want guys like Shaquille O'Neal back in the day breaking backboards in pregame or halftime, delaying the games. Now, in D1, that problem's been essentially eliminated because, well, a lot of D1 schools have a lot of hardware just sitting around, even the NBA have got extra backboards and stanchions and all that stuff ready to go should one break. Yeah, there's a delay, but it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Well, last night, uh, Misericordia at Delaware Valley was delayed because someone uh, had a dunk in pregame at Dalval and broke the backboard. Uh, if I read correctly, it ended up on the floor. Not where you want a backboard. Now, if you think anybody at Dalval, or if you think Dalval in general, has a backboard um, lying around that they can easily put on top of a hanging backboard, which a lot of division three schools have, you're crazy. And this is why a lot of division three conferences now, um, I don't know, maybe a lot isn't the right word, but a number of them have actually still put in place no dunking in pregame or at halftime for this reason, exact uh, uh, right here and now. They don't have the ability to put a backboard up should one break. This game has now been postponed. I don't know for how long. They now need to sneak it in some other time. I thought the MAC was one of those conferences that had that rule. I just may be mistaken in conflating them with somebody else. Maybe I'm conflating with the Centennial or the CAC or Landmark. I don't know who. But I have a feeling the MAC might put it in place in the future. Now, th there's... 
there's a caveat. Oh, come on, we're taking away from the fun of the guys. And let's be honest, it's mainly the guys, not that some women camp in Division Three. We don't tend to see a lot of dunkers uh, in the women's game. Uh, in D1, it's a rarity in itself. But on the men's side, certainly a number of players can do it. And saw one last night myself. And I don't think anybody thinks they're going to break, but that doesn't mean it can't break easily if it's had enough wear and tear over the years. So maybe some conferences need to re revisit that rule. Now, I know it's one time, but we don't know how many other times it would have happened in conferences that have already had this pl- rule in place. So just an interesting thought there. So there you go. You get your guests, and you get a little bit of me spouting off on backboards. Again, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, watching some top 25 games in action in the women's side, Harden-Simmons is leading number 17, Mary Harden-Baylor, 28-27 at halftime. Just saw that pop up, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Drew writes, good evening, Dave. I know you mentioned this on the show before. The frustration has hit me as a fan this year. The frustration of not having to be able to go back and watch games on demand after the fact. He goes on to say, must be maddening for top 25 voters even more so than fans. Well... Yes, Drew, it is, it's frustrating to me. It's also frustrating anybody who, who likes to do um, pay-per-view, and that's very few, I realize. Um, that's, that's also a whole nother can of worms, too, because, um, well, I'm not going to get into it. If, if someone wants to talk about pay-per-view, we can talk about it later in the show. But as far as on-demand, listen, here's, here's what drives me crazy. Coaches, the reason a lot, of these, a lot of these games are not available on-demand or where you might find games not on-demand is because coaches are paranoid. I'll be blunt. I don't understand the paranoia. First off, I don't know of any school who refuses to have you see their on-demand broadcasts, and I could be wrong, but I don't know of many, who are either perennial conference or national contenders. And I don't know many who at least get a chance at them. Um, And maybe there are, and maybe there aren't. I mean, maybe there are, but there aren't a lot. Because there's a lot of schools you can go back and see games who are contenders. But here's the real kicker. So a lot of these coaches are like, well, I don't want anybody scouting me. Especially in non-conference play. There's two problems to that. First and foremost, um... There's not a lot of secrets in basketball. There's not a lot of secrets in sports, period. And if you think that nobody's able to scout you, first off, they're showing up to games anyway. Second off, I've seen pictures and had coaches tell me that they will take a video camera, and this is before screen recording was really popular, and some coaches still don't understand screen recording, but there's screen recording easily done. On Macs, you just press a button and it starts screen recording. On PCs, it's become more popular, and there's even software. They can screen record it live, so hiding it on demand is pointless. And then the best part of this is every single coach I know in the sport, I think soccer is one of the, 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 one of the minor sports that really hasn't fully adopted this yet, but there's Synergy, and there's Huddle, and there's these other companies where you take all your game and you put it into their system. And you and there's reasons you do it personally. The system might break down plays. It may break down individual plays. All kinds of insane things it can do. Like, hey, I want to see all the plays from number 23 on my team and what he does in the post. And suddenly all the 23 plays in the post are there. 
But it also, you have an access, and I've been given access to this by coaches using their logins to any other team I want to see across the country, across divisions, even outside the NCAA. So if any coach thinks for some insane reason that they are making it more difficult to scout them because their on-demand is, un is not visible, they're Looney Tunes. And I welcome any coach who feels otherwise and thinks I'm wrong to call me to message me. I will, we will talk about it because it makes no, no darn sense. And by the way, I have yet, and I alluded to it earlier, seen someone win because their games are hidden. Now, some will say near the end of a season, well, we don't want to see, have them see the last few games before the end of the NCAA tournament. Here's a problem with that too. First, you have to share your, I think it's the last two games with your next NCAA tournament opponent. So those are already going to be out there. You have to give them yourself. Second of all, again, Synergy and Huddle and all those other programs, it's out there. You're doing it, you're doing yourself a disservice. I barely watched any NFL games this year live, or at least mostly live. I tuned in, having already started the game on the DVR, maybe at halftime at the earliest, eh, so maybe sometime second quarter, and fast-forwarded and got to the end. Or I watched the game three, four hours later without knowing the results, believe it or not. You can't expect anybody to be able to be live or available to watch a game at 4 o'clock on a Wednesday in, in some sports, 4 o'clock on a Saturday, or if they're on the road, whatever the schedule may be, and expect either people to show up or watch it live. Life gets in the way. You can't expect alums to be able to watch a game at the moment it's available. You really shouldn't expect parents to be able to, and parents should be able to go back and watch their child on a broadcast if they want to, even if they showed up and saw the game live. So you're already hurting two relationships there. And then as Drew alluded to, you're hurting us top 25 voters too. If I can't go back and watch your game to gauge who you are, because if you think I can watch your game and a bunch of other games all at the same time, and by the way, fairly evaluate you for starters, and second of all, fully bring it in, you're crazy. So no, Drew, you're right. I think it's absolutely dumb that coaches are still playing this game. And it's the same with jerseys, by the way. Hey, let's make our jerseys as cool as possible. But really, in reality, we're trying to make the numbers as difficult to see because then they can't scout against us. Yeah, well, as a broadcaster, you've now made my life difficult because I'm not sure who that number is. You made the fans, you made those watching on broadcast more difficult. Stop the shenanigans. If you can't win because you're a good coach and your team can't execute its plan on offense and defense... On demand and, 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 and keeping from anybody from scouting is not going to help you. It's not. It's not. How do you think Mike Krzyzewski does? Every single one of his games is broadcast six times. It's broken down a hundred times on air on ESPN, ACC Network, CBS Sports. Name an outlet. It's broken down on Twitter. It's broken down everywhere. He still seems to win. So the whole idea of hiding on demand, uh, uh, games on demand and not allowing us to see them as fans, as alums, as parents, Looney Tunes. Sorry, Drew, you got me on a little tangent there. But you're absolutely right. And as, a, and as fans, it hurts the fans, folks. You want fans, you want alums, you want anybody to invest in your program? You can't ha hide these games. You want to invest in the department? You can't hide these games. It's crazy. And let's take a look at the top 25. Quiet on the men's side so far. Only a handful of losses. Plantville lost to Stevens Point, 66-64. This is right after 
on Sunday, I said I really didn't know who Stevens Point was in the grand scheme of things. I don't know if this says more about Stevens Point or it says more about Platteville. I don't know. Platteville's got lacrosse ahead of them. I've got lacrosse ranked ahead of Platteville. So we'll see how that one turns out. Middlebury defeated Albertus Magnus, fifth ranked versus 18th ranked, and it ended up being an eight-point game. Albertus Magnus, I think, made it a four-point game in less than a minute and ended up Middlebury holding off. Uh, hats off to Albertus, uh, to Middlebury. Albertus Magnus, still good, only their second loss of the season. And Pomona Pitts are right after Ryan, give him all the pub, and I even decided to put a vote their way. Enter the poll at 24 and then lose to Whittier, their first Division three loss, their third overall, 97-93. That's going to lose a lot of votes if you're a Pomona Petzer fan. I'm sorry to tell you. Yeshiva, by the way, knocking on the door of the top 25, sitting in the 26th slot, though still idle. Remember, they take a significant period of time. Many teams do, but they take it at a different point. I think they get back into playing next week. Uh, Tufts lost to Suffolk, 89-78, a team I had mentioned on Sunday. I was uh, a little bit um, curious about and, and thought more voters should vote for them. Well, they were in the 27 hole, as it were, with 39 points. I mean, in other words, 20, uh, th- 27th most points in the voters. And lost to Suffolk, strangely enough. They've got Hamilton and Amherst ahead. If Tufts is going to be a serious contender in the NESCAC, uh, they need to shake that Tufts, that Suffolk loss off quick. And then Hobart, uh, a team we had also been debating about on the Top 25 segment on Sunday nights, went and lost to Union. I think I saw Union may have received a, or gotten a transfer, maybe. Uh, Carthage, by the way, lost two this week to Wheaton and Elmhurst, and they've still got Milliken ahead of them. So as great as Carthage was playing, they're starting to hurt a little bit. Now, Elmhurst game was the first game that Baltimore had returned. Keenan Baltimore, I'm not sure if that's a, a factor in the long run here, but Carthage has got to get kind of the, themselves back underway. On the women's side, also quiet, uh, impressively enough. Lacrosse lost to Whitewater in women's basketball. They're picking up their fourth loss. Whitewater, of course, they'll rank sixth to Lacrosse's 18th. So maybe, I mean, I don't think we should be surprised there. But it is two straight losses for Lacrosse now, who lost to Stevens Point prior. They've got Platteville ahead. Gustavus Adolphus lost to Concordia Moorhead. They've got number 15 Augsburg ahead. So Gustavus Adolphus taking a, uh, a, an unwise loss there. Receiving votes category, Williams lost again, this time to Smith. But Smith at least gets a big win there. Remember, they had a strange loss last week themselves, but Williams has Bowden ahead of them. Bowden, by the way, picked up a first-place vote this week. Some voter changed their mind. Emory and Henry lost to Hollins in overtime. Not a good loss for Emory and Henry. And Widener lost to what it looks like a really good number 24-ranked Albright team, 83-72. That was a battle of teams who had definitely risen to the top and undefeated and all that. East Connecticut lost to Rhode Island College, and Mass Boston lost to Carrollton. Or Castleton. Um, by the way, the Misericordia Delaware Valley women's game also postponed. Well, because we just explained why. Um, I guess they were playing the women first in that series that night. Landmark's doing that this year, too. So that happens, as they say. That happens. We're going to have to take a break because we're a little bit behind because Drew got me sidetracked. Drew, it's all your fault. <laughs> I appreciate the thought, though, sir. Uh, freezing Chicagoland. Hello from my aunt. Hello. I'm jealous though. You guys at least have good weather there in the fifties again today. Anyway, MIT coming up next. We'll talk to their women's basketball coach about all the goings ons with recruiting alumni, trying to get them back involved with their program and how they help not only keep a, a, a school on its feet, but also help 
with its program. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll talk to Sonia Rahman when we come back here on Hoops Hope. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with 
figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Julie Folks, head coach at Transylvania University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coach Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave with the WBCA Center Court. Oh, thanks, Coach. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue on this Thursday edition of Hoopsville. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, Lou Robinson Griggs says, can't wait to hear Sonia Rahman of MIT Women's Basketball drop some knowledge. Well, that's why we have her on, because we all know my, my, my knowledge is limited. Uh, we hope she can certainly drop some. She'll be coming up here momentarily. Uh, you know how to get in touch with us, and we hope you will. A reminder that on Thursdays, we primarily talk about the uh, East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. Uh, warn you now, East region folks, we don't have a guest from the East region this show, uh, but we'll certainly dive in there. And if you have questions, send them our way. Um, just for a little bit, we're going to rotate com- uh, regions, which ones doesn't get a guest on these shows. Uh, Sunday, of course, is Northeast, Atlantic, South, and, and Central regions. Um and yeah, that's kind of the spiel there. All right, so the WBCA Center Court segment, once again, back this year, had a, an emotional interview with Randy Tuggle last uh, week. I don't expect this one to be emotional, but it's certainly an important topic. I think for a lot of coaches, sometimes, especially if they're not tied with the program, they may struggle a little bit with how to interact with alums of programs or how to fundraise to do more for their own program, using alumni as a catalyst for that or more importantly, just how to keep alums involved with the teams. And I think for some, it's very easy. I think for some, it's very difficult. And I certainly assume that those who haven't been part of the program or are newer may struggle a little bit more with that, especially if they replace a longtime coach. That's just a general thought. Well, two of the ideas that we got for the WBCA Center Court this year regard alumni and and fundraising efforts. And this one certainly intrigued me. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the WBCA Center Court segment is Sonia Rahman, the head coach of MIT. And coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, First and foremost, we should point out um, you're familiar, I think, Let's let's put it this way. I assume being familiar with the type of school that an MIT is is a good starting point. Being a Tufts grad, A, you know the area pretty darn well, and B, you certainly understand the expectations at an institution like an MIT. Is that a good base to start with, and, and do you feel you had a leg up when you went and got this job and realized you had to talk to alums? Um, I mean, I think it helped a lot. I think until you're here, um, you never really know. Um, fully what any institution is like until you're on that campus and you really experience it and you immerse yourself in the culture and really learn and, and make those connections. But um, I, I think that it, w- it was helpful to, to be local. And, you know, I came from the NUMAC, um, from Wellesley College as an assistant. So mm-hmm. I definitely had some familiarity with MIT, but, you know, from afar. Sure. Well, afar as in just slightly outside Boston. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you're in your 12th season. And obviously have had some tremendous uh, years there at MIT. When, you, when we talk about this alumni, and I'll, and I'll go from the, the, the spiel that was given to us, for lack of a better deter, uh, saying, Coach Rahman's commitment to alumni relations and growing the women's basketball program at MIT has renewed interest in alums going back to, uh, coming back to participate in events. Since her arrival, the program has consistently grown in, in regularly making playoffs, including back-to-back conference championships for the first time ever. 
Sonia is able to work closely with the class of 99, formerly the class that held the most wins in the season to start an endowment fund. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But was it, was it a commitment you made from the get-go that you needed or wanted to have the alumni involved in this program? Or was there a point early on or wherever that made you go, all right, we need to get them more involved? Uh, no, I think that was an immediate priority for us. Um, you know, when I took over here, I was the fifth coach in seven years. And I really think it's important no matter what situation you're taking over in a coaching transition, it's important to prioritize building relationships with your alumni. Um, you know, none of them have played for you. They want to feel connected to the team and the program. And I think our job as coaches is to make sure that they do, no matter who they played for. Um, and, I, you know, I've experienced that as an alum myself. I think that, you know, the, the coach who took over at my alma mater and then the coach who took over for her, I think they've both been really excellent with reaching out. And I think it makes a difference with alums. And, and they feel connected when they know what's going on, when they're getting newsletters, when they're getting mailers. And the content is much more about, what's happening with the team and the off the court aspects. It's not just things that they can find, you know, on our website. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a priority. Um, but the priority was really just to build the relationships. That was kind of the, the main point at the beginning. Yeah, building relationships is great. And you want them back for alumni events, whether it's an alumni game, certainly, or, or maybe some other events or maybe show up on campus to games just to support the team. I, I get a lot of that, but is there more to it than that? Is there more at stake as it were? Uh, well, I think that's the beginning. You know, you're not going to be able to um, cultivate donors and steward donors if you don't have relationships with them. Um, whoever's doing the direct ask on your campus, um, you know, that person may have a donor to ask, you know, they're going to ask them for a donation. And if they don't feel the connection, it's it's not going to be as likely that they're going to give um, or it's going to be more of an uphill battle. So, um, you know, I think it, for years it was the the relationships we're building, our alumni day, we put a lot into it, um, you know, a lot of uh, energy, and we, we try to make it as fun as we can, and we've done it annually. I know some programs do it maybe every other year mm -hmm. um, or less frequently, but we do this annually. It's something that I've always looked forward to. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like a big family reunion, and I think you have to really treat it that way and get the team excited about it, which they are. So we look forward to that day. Um, our format, I don't know if it's too unique, but the alums play in the morning. The team is all there. You know, they all sit in the stands and they cheer them on. And a couple of them get on the mic and they do play-by-play -play and color commentary. So <laughs> oh, they're no. entertaining. The, you know, their personalities come out. And I think that the, the alums start to get to know, you know, who is, you know, each person in that jersey. And then they watch our game. But I think the key piece is after the game, we do a casual little reception where the players introduce themselves by class, you know, some fun facts, what their major is. And, but then the alums all do the same, and they talk about what field they're in. They talk about maybe a fun or inspirational story from their playing days, and that's really the best part, you know. And I think that the team really treats them like rock stars, as they should. Um, we have, you know, families come back, former head coaches and assistant coaches from MIT come back, past managers, and you know, my staff is really involved with that as well. So it's a really fun, inclusive day, and we did that for years, you know. And we our our record wasn't as great early on, but. Um, I think that the the foundation was there and the, the, the alums were really supporting us no matter what. Um, they were showing up to alumni games and, and games, as you mentioned. Um, but, you know, your question is what what then, right? Everybody's doing that. Right. What happens next? <laughs> um, you know, so so while I was doing that, you know, my role was really to steward donors. I'm not the one making the direct, direct ask, but I was trying to learn and, and, and get better at it. And, you know, I, I picked – our men's coach's brain, Larry Anderson, who I know you've talked to a bunch, mm -hmm. he's been really successful in this area. 
Um, we had hired Candace Crabtree, our divisional director of annual leadership giving um, for athletics. She's a former women's basketball coach. So, I, you know, she's really the expert on this. And so I tried to be a sponge and learn as much as I could from her. Um, our athletics director, Julie Serrero, sets the example. She's all over the country meeting with donors. And so I just wanted to be ready when the time came. And, and I talked to coaches, you know, outside of MIT as well um, at some peer institutions just to, to get some best practices. Um, but I think there was like a moment that if you could point to where it kind of all came together. And it would be um, a few years ago, you know, the team had continued to improve. And we were having a, a pretty decent season at that point. Um, and we were getting a little bit closer to the win record that that 1999 team had. Um, and so they held a record. And um, the awesome thing was that they were really excited about seeing us break their record. They wanted that to happen. They'd been waiting sure. for that to happen. Um, so they flew in at the end of the season to surprise us and watch us do it. Uh, and we got eliminated the game before. So they, they were here. Uh, they didn't have a game to watch. We weren't going to break the record. Oh. So instead, we just did like an impromptu gathering with them. Uh, there were people back that hadn't been able to come back to any of the alumni days, um, but that team was here, and they got to meet the team, you know, our current team. It ended up being a really awesome day, and I think that was the start of something big because that's when they started to say, "What can we do? We want to help. We want to help you, you know, break that record. We want to help enhance whatever the program needs are. What can we do?" And I think that's the key: is you know, you 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 have the relationships for a reason, and I think therefore the the fact that you want to cultivate family. Um, but when you do that, they're going to offer to help at some point and, you know, you need to be ready for it and you need to have a sense of what you, what you need. Um, well, and that's yeah. fascinating is, is that they obviously took the impetus after you already had taken your impetus. And so there was a nice kind right. of handshake as it were there, a relationship you guys developed to some degree. Right. I do know that part of that also was honoring a, a, a former alum who had, who had passed, um, right. in, a, in a car accident, if, if memory serves, how does that conversation get started? How does a conversation go? Hey, we want to help you more. You know what? There's this alum who, who died. We'd like to honor her too. Mm -hmm. How can we marry those? And how does that conversation, because that's more than just being a basketball coach. When you start getting into the, to the realms of, of kind of setting stuff up, is it makes any sense? Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they wanted to, you know, honor their beloved teammate, Lauren Tsai, uh, class of 2004, and yeah. she had passed away a few years back. Um, you know, Lauren was at my first alumni game when I was here at MIT. Um, and so, you know, the, initially the, the idea was um, we want to send you on a trip. You know, you haven't taken a trip in a while. Let's fundraise for that. Um, and to be candid, you know, in 40 plus years of um, the history of the program, we had averaged about under $1,000 a year of fundraising, you know, if that. So, you know, donations were coming in here and there. Um, and, you know, raising enough for a trip, it seemed like a lot to me. But to them, it wasn't really – I think for them, it wasn't going to provide enough of a lasting impact. Um, so then they decided they wanted to do something that could really help us now but continue to grow. And that's when they came up with the idea of an endowment. And so that's when I connected them to Candace Crabtree, you know, our basically our development person, so she could guide them to, through the process. And I think that's really important. It's not just relationships that you have to build with your alums, but it's also relationships you need to build on campus. And so having that relationship, being able to, you know, call her, text her and say, can you, you know, can you get on this call? Our athletics director is supporting that and giving us the green light. Um, and it, they came up with the idea at the end of it all of let's launch an endowment um, so that we can have enhancements for things like trips, technology, recruiting. But to launch an endowment at MIT, you need to raise $100,000. And, you know, I just gave you the numbers on where we had been in the history of the yeah. program. 
and Julie gave us two years to do it. So um, given our giving history, that was a challenge. Yeah. But that's where, you know, they were determined to make this work for the program. But that's when also they wanted this to be a way to honor Lauren. Um, and um, once they, they married those two concepts together, um, you know, and just as MIT women, they were determined and they were going to work really hard. And the way they did it really, I mean, their models um, for peer-to-peer fundraising, they created a committee. Uh, it was pretty diverse in its makeup. You know, everybody, um, you know, different eras represented and, um, you know, all different kinds of people as well. Um, and then we set up era captains. So we had a lot of people that were joining in that that team um, to help reach out to their teammates. Um, you know, it may not make the ask may not work if it's coming from someone they don't know. But when it's teammate to teammate, hey, let's do something for this team. Um, I think that's where you can get engaged. And, you know, Candace and Julie were meeting with alums when they were on the road all over the country, you know, put together one pagers so that the era captains could use that to give quick updates and, you know, emails, calls, texts, Facebook. But a lot of it was peer to peer, a ton of alums involved. And we ended up hitting that 100K goal in, in just a few months. Um, wow. We had a reception. We had, you know, some of Lauren's family here um, to be able to honor her as well. And it was really incredible to see all of it. It was very touching to see how much they wanted to support us and then also just how much love they have for each other that they wanted to do that for each other too. Well, and then you crushed it. I mean, you said you got it in a few months and that's impressive yeah. to start with, but you crushed the goal. You, you beat it by 150%. You, you're at 250K. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we may not be quite at 250 in hand, um, but we're, we're working on it and we're, we're almost there and we're, you know, that's our goal and we're, we're really trying to get there. And the great thing about an endowment is it's going to grow no matter what. Right. And then, with every year that you, you put more into it, you're, you're going to get more out of it. Where, um, where does the endowment go towards? Uh, so um, basically program enhancements. I mean, we're, we're well supported, I think, by DAPER, you know, our athletics department. Right. Um, so it, it's not necessarily going for operational costs as much as, um, you know, recruiting needs, you know, additional recruiting needs, um, technology, um, you know, maybe there's, uh, you know, a, a trip we want to take that's out of region sure. um, and we can enhance that. You know, last year we went to Chicago and we're able to play at University of Chicago, you know, yeah. um, you know, great program, great, great facilities. And so we really enjoyed doing that. The team loved it. And we're going to be able to do more of that because this is an endowment that's invested and, um, and it's, so it's going to keep on giving. Um, and then what we try to do is, is now we're trying to keep growing it with our, our 24 hour challenge. So I'm sure a lot of schools have a giving day. Yeah. Um, Ours is on March 14th, which is Pi Day um, in, in true <laughs> uh, MIT fashion. So appropriate. Come on. <laughs> right? Uh, so we have a lot of fun with it. Um, we let the alums know well in advance that that's the day. And then, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with them all day. I'm promoting the challenge. Um, you know, we're, we're updating them on the goal. We get an alumni that is usually our lead donor or our challenger, and then they set a challenge. And if we meet that challenge, you know, that person is, is donating a good, you know, good chunk of change to match that. Um, you know, group text, social media, we try to keep the buzz going. We try to make it fun and playful. Um, we even have, you know, they've developed a little bit of a playful competition with our men's alum, our men's basketball alums. Um, you know, MIT doesn't set out that way, but it, it certainly gives me bragging rights with Larry, even though, uh, you know, he's been one of our biggest supporters in all honesty. So it's really just been good fun. Oh, but, um, any bragging rights so, over Larry's good. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it needs to be fun. You know, I think it needs to be fun and it needs to keep, keep them connected and i think having the little off the court stories throughout um throughout the season is is really important and, and everyone i think really enjoys that i mean they can look up stats 
and they can see who's getting player of the week and all of that. Right. Um, um, yeah. A couple quick questions regarding it. How much is it trouble? How much is it not trouble? Uh, how much do you have to make sure or, or fight still for your budget? Cause there's a, you still get a budget and then you got this endowment. I could see an administrator right. and I realize now your AD's just retired, but I, I'm going on a generic point of view. I realize you're, mm-hmm. you're well supported, but how, how easy it could be that they look and go, well, you've, you've got an endowment there. You, you, you don't really need that much from us, do you? Right. I, and I think that, um, I think that here, I mean, well supported is mainly just, they're very fair. Um, doesn't mean sure. we all get everything we want, but I right. think it's, there's a really good process for, you know, if we want something that's out of our budget, we have to put a proposal together. We we're very much involved the coaches with administration on the budget process. So, you know, we have meetings with them before our budget gets finalized. We make our proposals. Um, but, you know, I think when I mentioned, you know, stewardship of donors, you have to, you know, they're making donations for a purpose. And, um, you know, the purpose was for enhancements. And so I think that right. it wouldn't, it would be a little, um, it, it wouldn't be right to then change that, you know, and say, sure. okay, well, now we're going to just put all that towards operating costs that, and the program spending looks exactly the same as it did before. You know, I think that wouldn't be very honest of us. And, um, so I think when we make uh, promises to the alumni in advance on, you know, how we're going to use this and we come to an agreement on it, and we certainly have a lot of, a lot of wiggle room and, um, you know, it, enhancements is certainly a broad term, but, um, but, but I think it, it's a really fair process here. Um, and, you know, sometimes there might be something like that. It may be professional development. You know, I'm going to the WBCA conference and I'm going to pull sure. some of that out of the endowment instead of, you know, and then another coach has that. But I think that what we, what we're really trying to do here is, is find the best ways to, um, to make the program stronger and, and to keep growing it and, um, and keep trying to push those levels of success. Uh, you mentioned DAPER earlier. Can you just remind everybody what D-A-P-E-R actually stands for? Because I think it's a u- oh, yeah. unique uh, uh, wording, as it were, for MIT that not everybody yeah. else can appreciate. Right. Sorry. Um, DAPER is our Department of Athletics, Physical Education, and Recreation. So we all fall under the same umbrella. Uh, I think Stanford actually calls it the same thing. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if anyone else does. It's not super common. But, yeah, we have we have a very large department here, 33 sports plus physical education, club sports, intramurals, rec. Um, and so there's certainly a lot of program needs. And I think when teams are allowed, are able to, to fundraise and, and to develop these endowments, it's certainly helpful for everybody. Is it hard to ask alums to give when, and, I, and as an alum, I sometimes am rubbed wrong when I'm asked to give because I'm like, well, gave a lot to the school already or I've, or I've, I've given a lot to the school when I was, educated there or whatever i mean it, it can be sometimes a tough conversation or some alums can't afford it how tough can that conversation be and how do you find ways to make it not as difficult and i think everyone is going to give to their ability if they feel that i mean if they have the ability um and they have the connection so you know our, our development office is the one doing the direct asks um it's not like every single person that we ask for money says yes right um but, you know, I hear what you're saying, and, and certainly, you know, it, it also depends on maybe where you are in your career. I think, you know, younger sure. alums don't always have the ability to give as much. Um, but I think that's another thing with these giving day challenges, you know, sometimes just prioritizing participation. You know, even if you can just give, uh, you know, like 25 bucks or 50 bucks, that's, that just kind of cultivates the culture of giving um, and building that community together. And, and, and um, so... It, sometimes it's not always the amount that matters. It's it's really 
um, developing habits and culture of leadership or, or of giving. Um, and, and, you know, young alums turn into older alums and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and they get raises and, and they, and, and all that. And if they, if we're fortunate enough for them to think of us in that giving process, um, then, then we're happy. Uh, I'm running a little bit behind, but I don't want to go without talking about your team. Um, six and seven on the season. It was more of a rougher start. Uh, than it is now. You've won your last five, um, uh, last being to Fisher, 60-47. to 47. But you haven't gotten into conference play. Uh, that is now ahead with the Pabson game coming up this weekend. Tell us a little bit about the squad this year. Yeah, we're, we're growing. Um, I think, you know, we certainly took our lumps early, and uh, we learned a lot in that process. I mean, we're trying to, as every coach will tell you, get better every day. Um, and so I felt like early in the season, um, that process was a little bit slower, and then I think we really started to gel. We have people in a lot of new roles this year, um, and I think that you know the women on our team are really coming together and they're stepping up, and our leadership keeps getting stronger. And you know I'm really proud of um, you know just their journey so far, um, and we're we're excited to now turn the page to conference play. Um, you know, starting right off with, with one of the best teams in our conference. Um, year in and year out, just a really consistent model for excellence in Babson. Um, so we're excited, uh, you know, for that challenge. Um, what was it? Oh, I saw what two seniors, but you're led by sophomores and juniors. So obviously not looking ahead of this year, but this is a great experience for them to get under their belts, as it were, moving forward, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, we're going to stay in the moment right now. Oh, and, sure. Um, and, you know, I don't even want to think about losing our two seniors yet. So let's let's keep I it where we are. <laughs> I can't blame you. I can't blame you at all. Coach, love to talk to you more. Someday we'll get you on talk more about the team. But I, I really appreciate the insight uh, on the giving because I, I think and I know there's a couple coaches tuned in. I think it some coaches, that's the challenge. They don't know how to kind of master that, as it were. And I'm not saying it's mastered, but it's it's tricky and i appreciate the insight and the thoughts and and how you guys are pulling it off there and how it's all worked um we always have uh the guests give the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in yeah just um i just want to actually give a thank you to you for all you do for d3 basketball and a a thank you to our athletics director who is retiring as you mentioned at the end of this month uh julia serrero just so much support to our program and to all the programs here we really lucky um we've been lucky to have her leadership so um, I'll just I'll just give her that last shout out. No, perfect. And, and thanks, Dave. Well, no, I appreciate the kind words, but she uh, lots changed at MIT under her uh, her guidance, and it's wonderful to see. And I'm glad to see uh, how well you guys are doing as well. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks. Absolutely. Bye. Sonia Rahman joining us on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Could have talked much more with her, especially about her team. But fascinating insight on the uh, fundraising side and the alumni relations. And yes, there's an element of the other school, part of the school, and getting a relationship with them. I've seen it where it's worked. This is a great example. I've seen it where it's struggled. Um, I've seen everything in between. And I find it fascinating that, you know, that's a whole other element of coaching that people don't appreciate is that you, you've got to fundraise for your program. You've got you've to have alumni relations for a lot of reasons we didn't even get into. She talks about a game earlier on with just the alums playing. Well, some schools still have a Lumbee team um, as, a, as a scrimmage. So lots of different things. Appreciate her time. As we mentioned, we're running a little bit behind, so we're going to get right to break. When we come back, Dale Wellman from Nebraska Weston will join us to talk about his team and the race in the ARC. Also still ahead, uh, Drew Men's Basketball and Transylvania Women's Basketball. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We're Hoopsville after this.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. But it was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. 
Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Quick note that we forgot to mention in that entire MIT segment, talking about the alums and and how um, they're related, and Sonia Raman, very happy. I noticed this right before air, and I forgot to totally get to it. Coach mentioned it to me um, off air. Jasmine uh, Mogbelli, a graduate of 2005 from the women's team, is just graduated from the NASA Astronaut Candidate Training Program. Uh, she's the member of the first class of uh, astronaut candidates, graduate under the uh, Artemis program after completing a two years of basic training. One of 13 graduates, she's now eligible for space flight, including assignments on the International Space Station, Artemis missions to the moon, and ultimately missions to Mars. I mean, we talk about YD3 sometimes in Division 3. How about that one? Um, really cool. I think I now know somebody I want to get on a future Hoopsville show. She's apparently going to be back for their alumni events later this season, but hats off to Jasmine uh, Mogbelli. I hope I say her name correctly, and hats off to their program in general. All right, let's switch gears, talk men's basketball. One of the teams that has certainly been at the top of the conversation for a number of years, really almost since the day that Nebraska Wesleyan decided to go full Division Three, has been the men's program at Nebraska Wesleyan. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, it's Dale Wellman, the head coach of the Champs from a few years back, who are 14-2 and two this season. Coach, hello. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Oh, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's great. Thanks. No problem. Uh, ranked 11th in the country, NW is 14-2, and two, as we mentioned. Perfect in the ARC. We'll talk to you a little bit about the, the those details as we go forward. But, you know, it was not that long ago that this was a, a, a non- you know, conferenced Division Three team who had more of NAIA focus, and in just a few quick years, coach, not only a national championship, but you guys are now kind of a a synonymous top twenty-five selection. This this program got there quick, and you're planning to stay there, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. No, I I took the job six years ago, and I thought I you know one of the reasons I wanted it just because I thought the ceiling was was so high, and and even at that time when we had the dual affiliation, they were talking about going full Division Three. And as a D3 guy myself, having coached and played in it, uh, that, that was really exciting. And, you know, being out here on an island has its challenges, but sure. it, also has, it also has a lot of great things and, and a lot of things that, that uh, allow us to, uh, to bring in what I think are good players. And uh, it's, it's been a great ride, you know, the six years here. And, the, you know, this is our fourth and full Division three with the American River Conference slash, you know, the Iowa Conference when we got into it. It's just been, it, it's been a fun, fun ride. 30 and 3 in 2017 18 when you won the title, 27 and 2 last year. You're now 14 and 2 this season. Obviously, you'll also go out there and challenge yourselves. You guys have played St. John's this year. You've already played St. Thomas, so they nipped you by nip by 19. You played Chicago this season. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the conference in a bit. You just had a, a tough game right before the Christmas break and a loss to River Falls, 84 82. But you, you're not afraid, despite being on that island, to go out there and, and challenge yourselves. Well, no, I, I, this was kind of a perfect storm th- this year. We have eight seniors in our program, and they've been with me for, you know, uh, six of them have been with me for four years, and two of them transferred in and been with me for two years. And I just thought that, you know, w- with what we've been able to do the past couple years and, and what we were bringing back, it was a great year to go out and challenge our guys. Um, you know, and that's why we wanted to get into, you know, we went up way up to Wisconsin Superior uh, to play against St. John's. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we didn't know how the, how the outcome was going to be, but – <laughs> we wanted to challenge him. Well, and then, you know, yeah, go ahead. And then I was going to say, and then, you know, Mike McGrath at Chicago was kind enough to ask me to go to their tournament. And, and when I said, yes, he, he said, well, Hey, we got St. Thomas to play us. So, 
Uh, <laughs> you know, we were excited about that one, obviously, on the other side of the winning column on that one. Um, and, you know, we, we had two Division One exhibitions uh, this year. I mean, we flew out to the College of Charleston to really challenge our guys, and that, that was on October 28th. And we couldn't, we couldn't start practice till October 20th um, because we didn't take the days over Christmas. So, and then we just had Wyoming after Christmas. So we've, we've been all around. We haven't had a game so far this year where we've driven and, and played on the same day. You know, I think we've stayed in eight hotels so far that, this year, and, and it's, it's been great. Our guys have responded well. <laughs> yeah, that certainly is a challenge, to say the least. Uh, I hope they're, uh, everybody's accumulating hotel points. Um, right. Let's talk a little bit about not only the results, but about this squad. You're, you're sure. led by Nate uh, Shimonitz. I can usually say it when I'm not thinking about it. Um, nearly 30 points a game. He's at 26.7 points a game, which is staggeringly high. But he also gives out five assists a game while shooting 58% and 82% from the line. He, he not only can do everything he does well, but he makes sure the rest of his teammates are doing things well, too. Oh, he's, he's an incredible player. I mean, we recruited him four years ago. I mean, we had just graduated, you know, a Jostens Award winner in 2016 with Trey Bardsley, and, and I kind of told Shim that, hey, you know, we, we want you to be that next guy. And we gave him the ball as a freshman, and he averaged 20 points as a freshman for us. Now, sophomore year, you know, we won the national championship, but he had missed 10 games. Right. Um, and then last year was, was injured for a big part of the season, but still led our team in scoring. And then this year, not wood, you know, everything's gone on, uh, gone well, but he, he can score in a variety of ways. I mean, six, four point guard and, and, um, and he just has tremendous vision uh, and he does whatever we need him to do out there. And he's, uh, just a, a great teammate and, and uh, makes me look a lot better as a coach. <laughs> they always do. Uh, you got four others who are essentially in double figures. Jack Hiller at 15.5 points a game, 5.5 rebounds. Clay Reimers at 12.5 points and 7.5 and rebounds, almost 8 rebounds at your team high. 10 points for Dylan Dirks. And we're keeping Nate uh, uh, Bay, is it? Bah. Bah, I, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, keeping him in the mix because he's at 9.7 points a game and, and nearly six rebounds as well. And all, all, all four guys I just mentioned, plus Nate, are giving off the ball too. You guys are an unselfish team, it, it appears, on paper. I, I think so. And, and we run Princeton, and I, I, I think – and we kind of run a, uh, Princeton sped up a little bit. It's not yeah, a slow down. A little. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I think when you run Princeton, um, I mean, we obviously want to get guys in certain situations to score. But it's also, you know – Guys can be selfish, but I think it's a little harder to be selfish when you're running Princeton. It stands out more than maybe again, maybe in a motion or whatever. Um, so our guys do a good job of moving the basketball, and ultimately, you know, I, I think they all recognize that they can get good numbers. Um, you know, regardless of how much they pass or whatever, or be selfish or anything. You know, that's uh, you know we get plenty of possessions for everyone to uh, you know to to get a shot or or do whatever. So I you know I think. Uh, and I, and I think the chemistry is great. I just think they enjoy being around each other every day, and I think that helps. How hard is it to know that you got five seniors uh, of the seven players you mainly run in your rotation? This is this is a program that's going to take look very different next year, as it were. It will look very different. And, you know, the exact same thing happened in 2016. You know, Trey Barsley was averaging 30, and Travis Gieselman was averaging 21, and we had six seniors that year. And they graduated, and – Nate Sheminitz started as a freshman. Jack Hiller came in, started as a freshman. Dylan Dirks came in and started as a freshman. We were able to sell those to some pretty good recruits. Uh, Deion Wells-Ross transferred in, you know, started. Um, you know, and that's what we're trying to do this year in recruiting is kind of, uh, 
you know, sell, hey, we've done this in the past. And then we, that was the first year we went into the Iowa conference. And, and fortunately, you know, starting three freshmen and, and a transfer that, that year, we came in and, and won the conference uh, that first year. So we're trying to replicate that a little bit. I, you know, we'll, time will tell if we'll be able to do it or not. Um, it's a li- it is daunting, absolutely. But uh, we've been in a similar situation in the past. What's interesting is how much the the program seemed to explode once you got there. If we count the NAIA season in 2016, you've made three tournament appearances uh, in those five years. This program hadn't seen a tournament since 2001. Um, prior to that, what's the difference? Well, I think you know. I think they were itching to get to get back to that level. I mean, I think what a lot of people don't realize, especially in the D3 world, um, you know, we've been to six NCAA Division three. Final Fours, uh, but we hadn't been to any since 1997. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of basketball history at Nebraska Weapons. Yes, so there I think is. The school was, I think the school was itching to kind of get back to that level. Um, and, you know, fortunately we had some good players when, when I came in and we were able to get right to the corner. And then, you know, with the move to the, um, at the time, the Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, we were able to turn the corner and we got the right guys at the right time. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of, uh, um, you know, kept itself going a little bit, and it's uh, like I said earlier, it's been it's been a really, really good ride. But I but I think the school. I mean, I know you talked to the MIT about the alumni support. I mean, the alumni here have been unbelievable, uh, and the alumni here want to do well in, in basketball. And, and you know, we get good crowds. You know, we were in the top twenty in attendance last year. Like, you know, it's although this is football country out here in Nebraska. Don't get me wrong, I know that, <laughs> um, but there is. Um, you know, a lot of basketball tradition at Nebraska Wesleyan that I've been, you know, way before I got here um, that, that I've been fortunate to be a part of now. Well, football ends, and you got to do something until it's it's uh, springtime. So I, I, I can understand basketball being a big deal. Um, the team is shooting 52% from the floor, which is insanely high. I think it's second best in the country. Uh, you're holding conference opponents, though, in the meantime, under 70 points. I think I remembered that with the, with the championship team. We all were amazed by the offense. And, and I love how you say a sped-up Princeton. Oh, it's definitely a sped-up Princeton. Uh, you can't score 83.5 points playing Princeton-Princeton. Um, but it's that defense that kind of helped you win that national title, and I don't think people talk about it enough. No, it's, it's been good for us. You know, we, we were sitting down the other day, and, and you know, we put that in um, after a loss to Simpson. We were 17-3. and three. And we thought we were pretty good offensively, but we needed to do something different de- defensively. And we put it in, and, and that's when we went on that streak of the last 13 um, games that year. And, and we've kind of stuck with it since. I think we're, I think we're like, you know, something like 54 and four since we went to it. So it's been, uh, it, it, it's been really good. It's fit this team because we're long. Um, you know, we have six four point guards, six six two men, Clay six eight. We we have some long guys, and Cooper Cook was long, and Garver was long in the past um i don't know if we'll do it next year um you know it's one of those things that fit this team but mm. with eight guys graduating uh we'll have to see what happens uh next year we'll have to see what kind of length and maybe the team next year will be better in man i'm not sure but it's just it's been the right fit for this team and it was really hard for me to kind of wrap myself around that because i was always a man guy but it's 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 really turned into something nice and we've been able to, to tweak it here and there uh, you know, over the past two and a half years, and and um, you know, I'm kind of a zone guy now. Yeah, 54 and four, which is which is right about right to that Simpson game. That's a 93 percent winning percentage. Good luck not going to it next year. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> habits are going to be hard to break. Um, let's talk about this conference. Um, 
kind of an interesting setup here. I, I don't know necessarily if I saw Buena Vista going to be sitting in the second hole at five and two and thirteen and two overall after what they've gone through in the last two years. I think we expected more out of Loris. Uh, they're three and three in conference right now. Dubuque's up there at three and three. Co along with Warburg three and three. What do you make of the conference? I think a lot of us thought you'd be up there, but did you expect Buena Vista to be nipping at your heels? Well, um, you know, my former assistant's now the head coach at, yeah. at uh, Buena Vista. So, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm individually I'm very happy for what he's done, and I'm not surprised. He, he, he's a great young coach. He's going to do a good job. Um, but he's just done a great job there. So um, it was, it was, he, he's got the job at the right time and his guys play extremely hard, but there's a lot of parody in this conference. I mean, we played a game last night against Coe and, and man, that was a, I, and that was at home and we have to go to Cedar Rapids and figure out a way to beat them at Cedar Rapids. I just think, you know, especially the past three or four years, um, you know, this conference has really changed and, and it's, you know, night in and night out. You just don't know who's going to win and you have to yeah. bring your a game. And if you don't, I mean, as soon as our game's over, the first thing we do after we talk to our teams pull up the phone and try to figure out who won, you know, the other games in the conference. Um, there's just there's a lot of good coaches, a lot of good players, and, you know, everyone gets beat up every night and maybe to the detriment of the conference sometime because, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to finish the conference this year probably with, you know, a bunch of teams with 20 wins or anything just because everyone beats up yeah. on everyone in the conference. You got Pasco just uh, the other night by four – I'm sorry, by six – you got Central ahead of you. Unfortunately, they're at the bottom of the of the conference at four and ten overall. But I know you can't look over anybody. But then after that, it's Warburg, Buena Vista, Dubuque, Co. Again, while Central can look on paper like a bit of a respite, the four after that is anything but. Absolutely. I mean, we we played Luther the other day, who had, you know uh, you know last year finished at the bottom of the conference. They gave us an unbelievable game. Um, you know they they're very experienced. Uh, and it's going to be the, the, the same thing with Central. I know walking in, Craig does a great job. Those guys are going to be playing hard. Uh, I mean, you know, it's similar situation to last year in terms of, I mean, we're not number one in the country, but we're number one in the conference, and we're going to get everyone's best, best game, I would think. Um, and we have to do the right – you know, we, we don't have uh, any room for error in the conference. We really don't. So uh, it's – there's never an easy night. There, there, there's some freshmen I'd love to get out there and play some. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it, the, these games, sometimes I just have to roll with the ones that, uh, you know, I feel real comfortable with and I've, you know, had with me for four years. You played seven games in November. You played four games in December. And since the new year, you've already hit that four-game total. Is there ever a worry that that kind of weirdness with the schedule Will cause this team to, to be a little bit out of sorts as it were as you go into this conference grind? Honestly, I haven't thought about that at all. And I think, you know, this team, like I said, with all the experience and seniors that, that we have, and, and we've thrown so much at them, not just this year, but the past few years, I don't think anything really, really gets to those guys. Um, you know, they, they've kind of seen it all. And I, 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 if you go back and look at our schedule the past couple years, probably pretty similar um you know the the way the uh, the games line up so i mean if we go out and and and, and lose a game in conference i'm definitely i'm definitely not going to blame it on the january uh grind <laughs> or anything because a lot of these schools have to deal with the exact same thing sure it's because we didn't you no, know, just, we didn't play well enough i yeah. just love the quirk sometimes of scheduling so i always i always oh, pick up on well, that, well, stuff. Well, well, uh, that that's a whole episode for oh us. It, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, just go a little west into Vegas right around Christmas. We'd love to have you. That's what, that's what I hear. I, I'm I just hear saying. The tournament that goes on there. Yeah, I yeah. try and plug it as much as I can. Um, coach, appreciate the time. Really fascinating to talk about the Prairie Wolves, uh, not only for what you guys have done the last few years, but what you're obviously building and going to keep continue doing uh, down the road. Appreciate the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, no, absolutely. And my my thoughts are really just to three people. My uh, I told my kids that uh, you know I was I was going to come down to the basement to talk on the phone, and they couldn't <laughs> bother me because I was going to be online. And, and they both wanted me to uh, make sure that I said their names. So Brady Wellman and Tessa Wellman, my two kids, Brady's nine, Tessa's six, are going to be very excited to hear uh, their names, uh, you know, online a little bit. Uh, they're, they're my biggest fans, and and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, say my wife there. She keeps everything running during the season, Lori Wellman. So uh, they, they fill my passion bucket. Oh, well done, sir. A little, a little Dan Patrick reference in there, too. I'll Thanks. give you some credit. Uh, I got, I've got the same, sir. I've got a 10- and a 7-year-old who love it when I mention them on air uh, and a wife who keeps me on the straight and narrow and keeps me alive, too. So uh, you and I are very similar in that sense. And I also go down to the basement and ask him to leave me alone. So I get it. Uh, thanks so much, Coach. Take care. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. I know we'll be talking to you down the road, but uh, enjoy it none this, uh, all the same. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Dale Wellman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Nebraska Wesleyan, again, will take on Central on the road coming up here on this weekend. And then next week, it's Wartburg and Buena Vista. That'll wrap up the January side of things. Then Dubuque and Co. start the February side. Of course, Andy and Molly, I believe, are taking showers right now. And I'm sure my wife is enjoying some peace and quiet for the 5 to 15 minutes that will afford her. Uh, scores really quick on the women's side. Um Harden-Simmons unable to hold on to win in an upset. Uh, number 17, Mary Hunt-Baylor comes from behind to win 56-49. We'll keep track of other scores as well. When we come back, we'll continue the men's basketball theme. We'll talk. Uh, we'll swing out, though, to New Jersey. Talk to Drew, men's basketball. Um, licking their wounds a little bit after their first landmark conference loss of the season to Scranton. Daryl uh, Keckler will talk about that and what it's like to sometimes also dance with the weather and figure out if they're traveling or not this weekend. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, "Hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference." Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball, or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance; it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly. It's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term "gay" doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term "gay" used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com/Hoopsville. Lots of ways of getting a hold of us. We're, we're simulcasting on Facebook. We're also simulcasting on YouTube this evening. Successfully, seen a few of you chat. We appreciate the time you're taking to do so.、Um, trying to double check a few things. Everything looking good so far. Of course, you may be also watching us on our Team One Sports app or on Team One Sports on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and、uh, Android TV. We appreciate that as well. Maybe watching us on the big screen.、Uh, I hope my face isn't too、uh, ugly on there. I think I might start considering makeup. And the studio lights get brighter and the screens get bigger. Talking men's basketball, keeping conversation going. Yeah, Drew is off to its、uh, well, tied for its、um, what is it? Last year's second best start in program history at eleven and three. Though they're licking their wounds a little bit. Scranton nipped them yesterday in landmark conference play. They finished eighty-one seventy-eight in overtime. Sorry, Susquehanna. I mentioned Scranton. Well, that's a missed tweet on my part too. I thought it was Scranton for some reason. Susquehanna got them eighty-one seventy-eight in overtime at home.、Um, landmark conference play has gotten a little. Clogged up at the top. Scranton, Susquehanna, and Drew are, have been up there now. Moravian as well. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's Daryl Keckler, the head coach of the Drew Rangers. And coach, thanks so much for joining us. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, maybe, and I don't mean this as a as a detriment to Susquehanna. Maybe it would have been better if if it had been Scranton who had knocked you off, only because they're the ones who've been at the top of the heap the last uh, <laughs> x amount of years in the Landmark Conference. But nonetheless, a tough loss to Susquehanna that keeps them at the top knocks you guys gain, back a game. What what's the reaction today? Well, I mean, the the reaction is it was a really close game, really tight game, and uh, a lot of credit to Susquehanna. They uh, they outplayed us down the stretch. Uh, we we were up 18 in the game and uh, in the first half, and they never stopped playing. And uh, we lost some focus down the stretch, and they they made us pay for it. And uh, overtime game, you know, it's one of those early conference games that you can learn from, hopefully. Um, so it was, you know, great great game, great contest. Hopefully, something we can build from, even in the loss. Uh, much better as a coach to learn the lessons in a close win than a coach uh, a close loss, but uh, definitely helps the players refocus more. I think when you lose and makes practice a little more intense the next day. So hopefully we got better from it, and uh, it'll stop us from from having another loss like that again. Do you mean it's 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 better in a tough win or a close win than a close loss in the sense that at least you got the win? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> but. You know, it's it's funny because we just had a game very similar against Carnegie Mellon uh, mm-hmm. where the outcome went our way. And I don't think we learned. We didn't correct as many mistakes as I, I would hope we would have because we got the win. And I think it cost us a conference game. You know, had we lost the Carnegie Mellon game down the stretch, you know, maybe we would have refocused more and been able to get last night. So uh, there's certainly good and bad in both uh, but no coach ever wants to lose, Dave. Sure, no, that's true. Uh, <laughs> let's extrapolate that out, though. Uh, you had them between that, the game against Juniata, and, and they're just not the program they've been in the past. Uh, they're 3-11 and this season and 0-3 along with my alma mater. You get a 73-41 win in the middle of that. So sandwiched, you got Carnegie Mellon, which you get past in, in as you pointed out, the same way you lost the Susquehanna game, and in the middle is Juniata. Is it could the Juniata result be part of the reason that you've already the team may have already forgotten the Carnegie Mellon one? Uh, definitely, I think so. Uh, and Juniata has just caught some really bad breaks this year, and you know as well as I do because you're you're very up to tune on the on the league. I mean, Greg Curley is uh, one of those coaches that just gets the most out of his team, mm-hmm. no matter what his roster looks like. Mm-hmm. But I think he's just had some bad breaks this year uh, with some injuries and some things that uh, have them trying to to kind of figure themselves out. Uh, and we did play. We played pretty well in that game, but we didn't play play great. We could still see some things that were there. And again, it's really hard to fix them when you win by whatever that score was, thirty points, uh, to get the guys to focus on the little things that may not have been there that you know are going to get you down the road. Um, and then they certainly showed up last night. Um, but that being said, uh, Susquehanna came in, and Coach Marcinic is an incredible coach in our league. He yes. had them ready to go, prepared, and. Like I said, you know, even when we got up, they never stopped playing. And, um, you know, it was a great game down the stretch. Frank Marcinic will have you, whether you're ready for him or not. Uh, <laughs> I love Frank. Um, I love you too, Drew. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, Drew, I said, Drew, Daryl, I do that. I do <laughs> happens that. all the time. I do it all happens the time. all the time. Your wife probably does it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we should talk about the fact that I don't think people will realize that in the last two years, you guys are, what is it? 30, well, I lost my note, 34 and 9 um, since the start of last season. Prior to the loss, you had tied a mark from 79-80 at 11 and 2 start. You guys seem to be flying a bit on the radar, and admittedly, even under my radar, as much as I, I know the landmark, I, I've 
the landmarks kind of lulled me into the same conversation, Scranton and everybody else. Um, what is it about this, this unit that you've got right now that seems to be playing so well for the program in general? You know, that's a really, that's a great question, Dave. And I think we, we have been flying under the radar. I think as a conference, we fly under the radar a little bit. We can get into that. Uh, particularly <laughs> the last few years when, when the team name ch- changed, uh, you know, the top of the league for a while, and you know this because you follow us so closely, were Catholic, Scranton, mm-hmm. Susquehanna. And then it became Juniata was the one seed, mm-hmm. winning 23 games. And then it became us winning 23 games. And, you know, you get a lot of like, oh, the league must be down because it's Juniata and it's Drew and it's Moravian winning back-to-back. Uh, definitely got a lot more of that, like, oh, the league must be down rather than, oh, man, all those teams have really risen to the top and become good programs. And, um, yeah, so it's certainly been kind of a challenge on our end to, to fight for respect and, and to get recognized. But at the same time, uh, we haven't won the championship, uh, in the tournament. Uh, we haven't gotten to the NCAA tournament to attract that national attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you haven't seen us live or you haven't played against us, you may not know how good Riley Collins is, our, our starting point guard, uh, who was the landmark conference player of the year last year. Uh, you may not know how, how good uh, Malachi Walker is defensively blocking shots. Uh, but I do think the teams that have played us over the last couple of years, they, they certainly know that. Uh, Collins, as you mentioned, leading the team at nearly 20 points a game, um, nearly four assists a game and shoots 44% from the floor. Robinson is also in double figures at 16 points a game, four rebounds. Your big guy inside is McBurney uh, Jr., I should point out, eight rebounds a game on top of his nine and a half points. Um, that certainly is. I mean, the, he's he's actually a freshman. McBurney's actually a freshman, and that's well, uh, that's the sick part. You, you've got his dis- services for a few more years, but talk about how he's integrated with his team. Yeah, he's been great, and and actually Robinson is a transfer for us, who's oh, in his right. first year with us yeah. from Delaware Valley. So um, we we won twenty three games last year, but we graduated six seniors, right. and uh, it's really been an interesting year because we do start a freshman and we do start a transfer that, uh, you know, I'm not shocked about the result last night. We're still trying to figure out, uh, you know, who we are and who we're going to be down the stretch. Um, and that's the third college conference game for McBurney in his career, you know, against a very good Susquehanna team. So, uh, there's going to be some, I think some highs and lows for us, uh, here, but I do think we have enough talent that if we, can play as well as we can, and we can really do something special. We also have Malachi Walker, who's leading the team in blocks. He's fourth in the country in blocks at three and a, three and a half a game, essentially. Um, by the way, Collins is over 1,600 points, fourth all-time in Drew history. I mean, I'm just looking at notes that uh, Braden Snyder has given me that, that some of the stuff doesn't jump out at you when you look at things. But uh, Collins, as you point out, he leads the conference in scoring three-pointers and steals. Um there's a lot of interesting elements to this squad. You said you're still trying to figure things out. So back to that loss, sometimes, a, to your point, a loss is the perfect thing to kind of reset everything, as it were. And a loss to a Frank Marcenic team, I can see that being a really good reset. Yeah, especially, and you want to talk about like the, the coach you don't want to see when your your team's young and that, not that experienced, right? Like Frank rolls in yeah. with a talented team, he's yeah. going to have a good game plan for you. He's going to test all of your guys and their maturity, sure. uh, you know. And he did a great job with a great game plan on Collins, and uh, it definitely slowed us down, you know. And 
Yeah, so we are learning, and I do hope that we learn from the loss. You know, that was our third loss of the year. The other two were to Hamilton and John Thompson. Yeah. And, you know, we learned from both of those uh, and got better uh, after that. So I'm really hoping we'll do the same thing here. Yeah, to that point, you lost to Hopkins. Uh, those games were at TCNJ, if memory serves, right around the holidays. Um, they were at Stevens. Oh, they were yeah, at Stevens. Yeah, you're right. right. No, I'm sorry. You were yeah. Hoboken. They were not down where I thought they were. Um, but then you played TCNJ the next game uh, and, and defeated them. Uh, you also lost, as you point out, to Hamilton earlier in the season. Your your schedule is a mix of some really challenging teams, and those I know were probably used just to fill the, the holes, as it were. What's been your mentality with scheduling, especially, as you said, after losing what you had last year? Yeah, I mean, we knew we still had a chance to be good. Uh, we really like where we are as a program. And we went 20-5 and five last year in the regular season, and we were really not in any discussion to get in that large bid. You know, our strength of schedule wasn't no. what it needed to be. Uh, and we understood it. Uh, we didn't see 20-5 and five coming, quite honestly. We thought we, we kind of skipped a step to get there. <laughs> sure. Uh, but so we played, you know, we always try to have one of the better tip-off tournaments in the country. So we, we like to get a, as good a team as we can get. And having Hamilton come down to our tip-off tournament was great. Um, we've played NESCAC, Centennial, uh, two NJAC teams, a UAA team. Um, you know, we've tried to just have a variety of teams that will look like the Susquehannas and Scrantons in the landmark to prepare us uh, to hopefully win a championship and to also give us a chance that if we play well enough to beat those teams, we will get recognized with strength of schedule and have a, have a chance if, if uh, the wins come our way throughout the course of the year. You've got a really interesting set of games coming up. Weather permitting, you'll be at, uh, I'll see you on Saturday, uh, at Goucher, as we mentioned earlier, at the bottom of the conference um, with, uh, with Juniata. Then you're at Moravian next Wednesday before returning home against Elizabethtown. And then Scranton, and of course you haven't played Scranton this year, despite my best efforts earlier, uh, to put the loss on Scranton. Um, it's an interesting foursome coming up. Is, is We can talk about the landmark in a moment in general as a conference, but the one thing that I do know from this conference is there isn't a lot of similar teams. That's very true. Uh, that is very true, and we've had some coaching changes over the last few years. True. Uh, so it, as soon as you get comfortable with the style of play of one team, <laughs> the coach changes, and then you have to, to figure it out all over again. Uh, not a lot of common opponents with some of the, the teams in our league, you know, uh, particularly Elizabethtown, Goucher, Catholic. You know, we don't have a lot of common opponents, so – you really have to put in the time to scout them. Um, our assistant coaches do just an incredible job of that. And, um, and then you just have to, to hope that you're as good as you can be when you, when you play these teams. And uh, it is tough to win on the road in our league because of the travel. Um, but, you know, we think we have enough talent and enough toughness that if we can travel on the road, play our best, we can be okay. Um, we're just hoping we bounce back on Saturday down in Baltimore and the snow is not too bad to help us get down there. Well, uh, I'm hoping for the other, but that's just a selfish reason. It has nothing to do with the national <laughs> scope of things. <laughs> um, speaking of which, though, you already got the Catholic trip out of the way back in early December. Now you've got your other long trip. I don't know if Juniata is anywhere close in terms of travel, but I, I just, I'm guesstimating Baltimore is the second longest trip on your schedule. Uh, and, and it is a, a weather possible influenced game i remember a few years back i mentioned at the top of the show the 40 inch blizzard down here delayed that game for a couple of days how hard is it to not only make that trip all the way through jersey uh 
uh, Delaware and then into into Maryland for that in general, but when you don't know what the weather is going to be like or if it could cause problems? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a administrative uh, stress to it, right? Uh, Just logistics and when can you go, and if you can't go on Saturday, when can you go and still keep your guys on a regular schedule and not miss class time and all those things. Uh, but it just kind of comes with it. And uh, when you when your school's in North Jersey and you play most of your games in January, December, January, February, <laughs> uh, it's just bound to happen, right? Sure. So uh, we've had a, a great opportunity over the last few years with just things popping up that we tell our guys, like, no one's ever going to ask us why you won or why you lost, right? So yeah. if we can't go on Saturday and we got to go Sunday or Monday, uh, all they're ever going to ask us is, did you win? And they're not really going to care about the why or we went on the same day or had to reschedule it. So uh, it's been a good lesson for our guys, and they've really bought into it. So we're not even worried about if we have to adjust or not. We'll we'll play whenever uh, we get the chance. To that, though, I've I've heard some interesting people out there. Every once in a while there was a, a de- delays earlier this week in another part of the country. And uh, schools are, you know, 48 hours in advance going, hey, we're switching the schedule. We're going to move it to this. And fans are like, oh, come on. It's 48 hours. Anything could happen. Why don't you wait till later? Would you rather that decision be done 48 hours in advance and you know what your schedule is going to be? Or do you not mind waiting until maybe 9 a.m., let's say, on Saturday to decide whether you're going to uh, going to play in Baltimore, for example? Uh, oh, no. I mean, we were, we were pushing to, hey, if we're going to move this, if it's likely that we're going to move it, Let's move it by lunchtime today. Sure. So, you know, we could take today off and then practice, you know, Friday, Saturday, if we were going to play it on Sunday. or Makes sense. Uh, you know, because you still have the NCAA rules. You have to have right. a day off. Got to have a day off. You know, the, there's all those things that you have to work into that. So uh, there are a lot of logistical, uh, you know, things you have to work through. Uh, but at the same time, you, you trust uh, the coaches to, to communicate with their administrators and to make an educated decision on it. And, uh, even if you're wrong and you have to adjust late, you know, you made the, the most likely decision and, and you go from there. Um, We've talked about this conference a little bit. We tap danced around about it and, and, you know, you had an interesting point about, you know, maybe these teams have gotten better and the conference really isn't down per se. Good, good vantage point. I, I think that's a good perspective to bring to it. Let me, let me throw a curveball. You've been in the conference. I think the whole time it's existed, if memory serves, um, what of what about the the adage that this conference hasn't gotten or hasn't yet lived up to where everyone thought it would be? Does that make sense? That yes, you get some good teams. I'm I'm not denying that the Scrantons of the world, Juniata, as you point out, yourselves and, and and Susquehanna certainly have been very good teams. But as the conference as a whole hasn't quite gotten to where everyone thought maybe it would be in the quote unquote echelon of things. Yeah, I think that's a fair. I think it's a fair criticism, in terms of we haven't had the Final Four run out of anybody since the league's been formed. We haven't had the national tournament run, even though we've had really good teams. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Either yeah. it's the matchups or you know the draws that you get, and you you know that because you follow it so closely. I mean, that's a big part of the NCAA tournament. Sure. Um, but we've had some some very special teams in, sure. in the league since I've been here, and we've had a couple of years where I think three teams made the tournament. Um, just none of the teams made that big run. But if you look on the whole, I mean, Scranton does extremely well out of the conference every year. Um, Susquehanna does well, challenges themselves. They play a tough mm-hmm. schedule every year. Um, 
But I, I agree with the criticism that, you know, I, at least I don't know if I agree with it. I can understand it. Yeah. That you sure. see the Centennial teams make a run and it's a, it's not all, it's Swarthmore now, but it hasn't always been Swarthmore. There's been F&M and Dickinson. Everyone, or Sinus has gone to the Final Four. Um, every conference seems to have had that one team that makes the run, uh, and we just haven't had that, that team break through and, and make it all the way that far yet. Um, so I, I can understand the criticism, but I can tell you from coaching in the league, uh, <laughs> it is, a, it is a, a good league with great coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right, different styles of play across the board. They all seem to take on a style of play kind of with their geography, which I think is pretty interesting. True. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really night in, night out. It's a, it's a battle. Yeah. And I think they're really good teams. And, you know, we play good teams out of conference. I can tell you the, the league games, I know it's, there's a different level of intensity, but the league, the league teams are just as good. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. That's why I asked the question. I always like getting the other point of view on it. Um, no, you're right, though. The top teams have certainly been good. Um, I, I'm just waiting for the depth, I think, to arrive, too. Um, thanks for the time. Or I could talk to you more. I'd love to hopefully see you on Saturday or Sunday or maybe Monday <laughs> uh, or whenever we're going to get together uh, for that game. As always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts until I do see you later this week? <laughs> yeah, well, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, well, now i got to follow Coach Wellman, who was on before me, shouting out his kids and his wife. <laughs> you know, how can I not do that now? Right? They, yeah, you're right. You should have maybe not listened. Who's, uh, <laughs> Who's coaching club volleyball tonight with my oldest uh, Olivia? Nice. And then I have you guys go down to the basement. I, I have my kids in the basement right now. I nice. hope Child Protective Services isn't listening right now or anything. But <laughs> they're down there playing video games. Don't even know what Dad's doing, probably. But uh, you know, really want to thank you know our families and our support, and uh, of course our assistant coaches. Assistant coaches across the board in Division Three are incredible, and they do it for for very little money and lots and lots of time. And I just would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity publicly to thank uh, all the Division Three assistants, but in particular mine, uh, Ed Drew. Well so, said. Thank you, Dave. Hey, no problem. Well said. Uh, well said indeed. Thanks for the time, as I said. Hopefully we'll see each other soon in, in, in the national scope. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. I do want to point out that I'm wearing a Tennessee Titans hoodie right now. Uh, uh, I don't want to rub that in see. if you're a big Ravens guy. Down in the that, area, but you know, after cold, the loss man. last night, I had to feel like a winner tonight, so I put on the hoodie wow. for the for the call. Wow! And now I don't want to see you on Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, and I will find some of the. I'm now the DJ at Goucher Games. Your your music ain't going to be fun. I'm just warning you now. It's going to be brutal. I'm going to have to do something to to twist this because I went to the game on Saturday, man. I went to the game on Saturday. That hurts. That hurts. All right, well, I'll remember. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, no problem. Take care of yourself. All right. Daryl Keckler joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the NABC Coaches Corner. I did go to the game on Saturday. I'll tell you this. From the moment I was walking to the game, and I uh, actually had PA announced at Navy Men's Basketball uh, earlier on because the Ravens announcer is Navy's primary announcer, so I was filling in for him. Great opportunity, by the way. Game against Colgate came down to the end. It was really fun. Had a, had a blast. Fit right, fit right in. Just a little bit more work than I usually do at Goucher. Uh, just walking into the game, just something didn't feel right from the moment I left my car, walking all the way to the stadium, about a half mile, which my back really loved, uh, going up, sitting in the seats. It, there was a weird vibe. I can't put my finger on it, but it didn't feel right from the, from pregame on. So I'm not shocked that it didn't go that way, but Daryl had to just drive that one in. 
All right, we're way behind schedule now. It was a great chat there with Daryl, but we got to get going. Coming up next, we'll switch back to women's basketball. Transylvania women's basketball coach Julie Folks will join us on the show. Uh, we'll talk to her about her pioneer squad, the HCAC race, and much more. And then we'll wrap up the show. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division 3. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. 
We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Karen Harvey, head basketball coach at Montclair State University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Thanks to uh, Karen there and Montclair State for that little shout back or shout out there as we get from the WBCA group. Really appreciate it. If you got questions for us, uh, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're simulcasting on both Facebook and YouTube tonight. YouTube is YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Of course, you can also listen to the show and we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end as well. On the Team One Sports app through Blue Frame Technology, you can watch it there on um, on uh, Roku. Well, let's see, Roku, uh, Amazon Fire, Android TV, or Apple TV products. Um, let's talk back women's basketball. That's the reason for the WBCA uh, segment there. Uh, Transylvania off to another tremendous season. Start thirteen and one overall, seven and zero in conference play. This is a program that's won twenty games each of the last uh, six seasons or more. Uh, Sans 2015-16 when they were nineteen and eight. I mean, talk about just missing it. Um, and Julie Folk certainly has this team humming along. But I think there's, as as always, we have more questions uh, about them and and what they bring to the table than uh, we have answers. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, it is the aforementioned Julie Folks. Head coach of Transylvania. Well, I was trying to. Apparently, the graphic doesn't want to work, but she is on the phone. You can hear her. Coach, welcome back to the show. Thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? I'm good, Dave. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. And as always, thanks for everything you do for uh, Division Three Sports. We certainly appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I appreciate you having, being on because it's a lot easier when, when coaches come on. Uh, we should mention those little WBCA welcome backs. We ran yours earlier in the show because I felt like, <laughs> why not? I appreciated you taking the time to do that. Um, hey, again, 13-1 and one this season. Your one loss is to Maryville, uh, who always seems to be a, a tough opponent. Um, you've got an interesting schedule, and I think that's why I'm left with more questions than I have answers. Um, because I, I'm still trying to get a, a finger on your Pioneer squad this season. Give us a, a, a insight on who you guys are this year, now that you've you know, moved into the top 10 in the, in the D three hoops on top, dot com top 25. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I think for a long time this year, we were uh, also trying to figure out exactly who we were going <laughs> to be this year. Uh, you know, we graduated five seniors last year that had, you know, a, a huge mark on our program and did a lot of very good things. Uh, but on the flip side, we returned a lot of talent uh, and our freshmen and sophomore classes had a lot to add and, and so the season, you know, we thought we kind of had things uh, dialed in, and then our starting point guard was out uh, six games. And the first one she was out was the Maryville game. And, uh, you know, our freshman point guard just did a great job and has learned a lot. Uh, but we did we got Novi back right at the beginning of conference play, and I feel like that that settled us a lot and has probably just helped us kind of identi- you know, figure out our identity in a way that we weren't really able to do at the beginning of the year. Injuries are always tough to handle, especially when it's someone with that kind of experience behind it. Um, obviously, thirteen and one doesn't tell us if you guys had any struggles with it. But what <laughs> what were the struggles behind it? And how long do you th- or do you think you guys are still trying to adjust? Yeah, you know, I think um, you know when when our point guard went out, um, 
we started the year and we felt like we had a lot of depth and experience. And then we had an ACL before the season started. And then uh, we lost Novi for six games. Uh, and, and Kennedy Stacy, another freshman, she stepped in. Um, but it really it changed the nature of our offense. We were we were essentially left with only players that were five nine or bigger. Um, and so we had to figure out a new way to kind of accommodate all that size on the floor. And from the very beginning, we thought we could, you know, we were trying to figure out what do we think we can be the best in the country at. And last year, you know, offensively, we had some really impressive numbers and we returned a lot of that. And we tried to add rebounding. And I think at the beginning, it was hard to even figure out the rebounding because we weren't always sure when shots were going to come. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, that's really that's really kind of settled, and I felt like the offense has started flowing at some really efficient numbers. But, you know, I have to give our two seniors a lot of credit. There were three games that was under five minutes to go that we were down 10 points, and, and every time out they would just kept saying, you know, we're okay. And a couple times I didn't think we were okay. <laughs> um, we, won, we won all three of those games. Um, you know, and I, just, and I looked the other day because I was trying to kind of figure out you know, the strength of the schedule and six of our seven non-conference games, three of them are winning their leagues and the other three are in third. And so, you know, I knew we were playing some teams that had a lot of talents and I, I thought it was a huge, just a huge kind of pat on the back to our seniors because they were able to kind of push us through some of those more challenging moments. And, and all of our, in our upper class and returners, they played big roles in figuring out how to win those games when we, we were not kind of the cohesive unit we thought we were going to be at that point in the year. Mm. Um, I, I do appreciate uh, the question mark from you, why the team was full of confidence. That, that's nice insight to have. Um, but I know a lot of coaches might feel the same way. Um, what's interesting is, again, lost to Maryville, you, but you have, a wide, like I said, a wide collection of games here. Spalding, yeah. Berea, yeah. Wittenberg. Redlands came out to play you guys uh, on, a, on, a, on a rare East Coast trip for them. Actually, that's back-to-back games. That was at your place, correct? That was, yeah. Um, yep. Um, Anderson in conference and obviously Manchester, but then Monmouth, uh, UC Santa Cruz uh, on a trip to the West Coast for you guys, uh, and then back into conference play. Um, it's it doesn't have a lot of heavy hitters. Maryville's obviously in there, and and that raises obviously the questions that I have. Obviously helpful with the insight you've given us, but have we maybe not seen the full extent of this team, as it were? Yeah, you know, I I think you know Redlands for us coming off the Maryville loss when we were still trying to figure things out. You know, Redlands I think right now is maybe fourteen and two or something like that, yeah. and winning the Sky Act. You know, and they're having a really good year, and he's yeah. got, he's put together a really good team. Um, you know, I thought for us that was kind of a turning point, and uh, and and getting things going in the right direction. Uh, you know, these last few games, you know, I thought last night. I mean, Han- Hanover came out last night. And I think it felt like they might have hit ten of their first twelve shots, and I thought mm. our players withstood that run. And the last, you know, the last couple weeks we have started looking like a team that, that, you know, is a top 10 team. And, and it's been fun to watch the, you know, the rebounding is certainly our signature and, and, you know, the offensive rebounding we've been, we've been getting, you know, close to 45% of our misses. And so that's been, that has been a fun turn to see all of that come together. But, uh, you know, I just, I feel like we are just, we finally settled into, uh, you know, kind of ourselves again. And we, and we returned quite a bit from last year, so we knew we had the talent. It was just sure. figuring out what was going to be our adjustments uh, with the different lineups. And, 
And, you know, I always feel like we are a team that kind of peaks and grows all year round. You know, usually in January, we feel like we can hit a stride. And, um, and so far, I've felt like they came back from break and are playing really great basketball and, and finally hitting really efficient numbers on both ends of the court. Uh, 10-game winning streak, and you can thank your seniors in part for that, Shelby Boyle and, and Ashton Woodward. Uh, Woodward, uh, 15 points a game, 4.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Uh, she was a first-team all-conference selection last year. Boyle at 14.5 points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game to lead the team. Uh, she also hands out about three and a half assists, gets a steal and a half, shoots well on top of that. Um, that's a heck of a duo, both of them over 1,000 points alone. Just tell me about um, you know, Woodward, Woodward and Boyle, as it were. Yeah. You know, they, they are two that have a, they have a lot of experience. They you know, they both have been on the court playing heavy minutes since their freshman year. And, you know, what I appreciate about them is even when they're not scoring, they play such huge roles in everything we do on defense and rebounding um, and, you know, could play every position on the floor and, in fact, probably have this year uh, between all the injuries and, and over the course of their career. You know, I, you know, they play differently, and that's what makes, I think, also a really nice combination. You know, Shelby came in and has played as a post and then extended her range. And, you know, last year she asked me, Hey, what do you think I can be better at? And I said, well, just shoot further back. And, um, <laughs> and so she did. <laughs> okay. And it, yeah. And so she, you know, she's, she's really extended her range, which is making her a challenge, I think for matchups. Um, and, you know, and on the flip side, Ashton, you know, was a very good shooter, but she, her, you know, her thing is her ability to attack the rim and finish and, in fact, two of those games that we won, she hit a shot at the buzzer to win both games um, at the rim. And so, you know, their strengths are similar in a lot of ways because you can rely on them to rebound on both ends and really defend well. Um, but, you know, they score differently, and it gives us a lot of options on offense every possession. That's uh, certainly impressive, especially if they're willing or uh, able to shoot. Um, outside and attack it makes it makes it challenging to defend. Uh, that's saying it lightly. Agree. <laughs> uh, saying it lightly, as it were. Um, let's see here. Uh, conference. It, it's it feels different. I mean, it feels very different. First off, Rose Holman, uh, who had yeah. kind of been at the top of the conference with you guys for a few years, has to 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 not not be mean, but to be blunt, fallen off the face of the earth a bit. Two and twelve. One and six in conference play, which is just shocking. So it leaves Hanover at second at seven and six, but a game behind you at six and one, and and then Franklin at eight and five, and Bluffton at nine and five. I think that adds to the questions. You don't have that counterpart, as it were, on in the conference who's playing just as well as you. We so we don't know what to make of it. Is does it feel yeah. different to you too? It it does feel different. You know, Rose Holman. You know, I remember last year we were going through all the scouts and, you know, we'd been playing the same players for years. And, you know, they had six really great seniors, um, mm-hmm. which made them really challenging. And, you know, in Hanover, they had a couple injuries early, which I think, you know, set them back at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, and they're playing four seniors and a junior. And, you know, I thought last night was kind of a really great matchup of what Hanover can be when, you know, they were play- they played really, they just played excellent last night. Um, but I think that has been a question for us is, you know, figuring out ourselves during conference play. And, and uh, you know, there have been there was a lot of turnover in the last two years, and I think different programs are building and playing with a lot of underclassmen. 
Um, and so we tried, you know, we tried to do our best in the non-conference to make sure we were getting high quality games early and, and, you know, making sure right now we're getting better every week. And, you know, we're certainly not taking anybody for granted. Uh, but we know we have a lot of experience right now compared to many teams. Yeah, I mean, you guys were 21 season last year. So it was Rose Holman and, and, and Hanover was at 19. And so that's why it feels so darn different. Yeah. Uh, up ahead, you guys have Rose Holman, interestingly enough, on Saturday on the road. And then Mount St. Joseph on the 22nd. Uh, for turning home against Anderson, and then two more on the road with Franklin and Defiance, actually three more in Earlham. So five yeah. of your next six are on the road. Uh, it kind of evens off in the end. You'll play three of your final five at home. But this is a tough stretch no matter who the opponent is because there's a lot of road trips up ahead of you guys. How do you kind of get the team ready for this? Yeah, I completely agree. And, and you know, normally in our preseason, we play most of those games at home, and we – we were on the road for a lot of that outside of our tournament. So, you know, I thought it was really good for, you know, especially the freshmen to kind of get a sense of that. You know, I know like you know, the upperclassmen, we had some really tough road games last year, um, you know, in league play and you just, you know, you go into somebody else's court and, you know, I feel like every night we're getting everybody's best and, you know, hoping that we can continue to, you know, now be healthy um, and, you know, and try to make sure, you know, we, we do our best on the road because we all know, you know, we're playing for a lot of stuff in the postseason. You're playing for hopefully the right to host in the NCAA tournament. So we want to make sure we, we you know, we, our resume is as good as it can be with what we can control. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. You're obviously defenses, by the way, leading the way too. Um, yeah. 50 por- 54 points a game, I think, in the conference, at least going into last night. You're at 55 points overall at this point. Uh, obviously, defense can can lead to offense a little bit, but shutting teams down has got to be important as well. It has been. And that's, you know, I think that has been what we have fallen back on, you know, so often this year when we're trying to figure out the offensive end. We are, you know, we are a very big team. It is not unusual for us to have 6'3", 6'3", 6'1", 5'10", on the floor at the same time. And, and that has been different. In fact, I actually had to talk to our athletic director last year because we had to go back and backfill a bunch of uniforms because our freshman class had so much height to it. Oh man. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, so it's just really been different in that way, but you know, defensively they have really bought into a different strategy and it had to be, you know, we, we just were so different physically on the court this year. Um, and so we've been able to mix in a lot of zone and, and, you know, a man that's not necessarily pressuring, but really focused on keeping everybody in front of us to not give up any rotations and, and to be able to box out and rebound. And I think, you know, our players are really starting to understand it. And, um, you know, we try not to foul. We treat fouls as, as mistakes. And, and I think that, you know, they're doing a good job of making sure um, that at the end of the day, we don't have to be great on offense, at least early on. Um, you know, and now we're trying to balance out both sides and playing really good basketball. If we don't, if you don't mind going back to last year, again, you finished 27 and three campaign. The conference was 17 and one. You lost your first two games, though, in the opening seven, I think it was. One, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven. Yeah, so seven and two. You guys then went on an absolute tear after that before running into Thomas Moore in the third round of the NCAA tournament. Were, did that give you guys hope going into this year that you could not replicate? I don't want to say that, but could have as good a season? Or was last year just special in its own and no expectations moving forward? Oh, no, I think we had a lot of expectations moving forward. Uh, you know, I mean, we graduated some key parts, but, 
you know, when you looked at what we were returning, you know, there was a lot of talent. And, you know, we have two juniors that are both 6'3", and they're playing, without a doubt, the best basketball of their careers. And, um, you know, and they have really stabilized and become really, you know, just really solid rim protectors. And so, you know, we knew, you know, last year was special and different. Um, you know, but this year is, you know, same thing, I think, you know, over all the 16 years, you know, we've had some pretty, uh, you know, pretty special teams that have been fun to coach. And this one, without a doubt, talent-wise, is right up there with all of them and, and able to do some different things that, you know, those other teams, you know, they've all had different strengths, and, and this one has been unique. But I think they have very big expectations and, and ones that they can accomplish. 22-game winning streak there uh, before Thomas Moore ruined it, but they ruined a lot of things for people <laughs> last season. So you weren't alone in that case. But 22-game winning streak, certainly uh, impressive to say the least. Uh, quickly before I let you go, though, top 10 now. You're number 9 the D3Hoops.com, top 25. Um, obviously the spotlight gets bigger and the target technically gets bigger. What What's the conversation, though, in the locker room? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, the one thing we always talk about is we want to have the target because that means good things are happening. Um, and so if there's a target on your back, you know, that's uh, an indication that your team has been playing well and, and getting a lot of wins. Um, you know, maybe that 23 winning streak is just that I don't, I don't coach very well in the first month of the season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there seems to be a trend these last few years. Um, you know, kind of around Christmas, you know, we tend to get a tournament and seem to roll from there and, um, you know, I, I just think every game we try to, we try to have a lot of fun on game days and rely on the preparation each day. And, and our practices are super competitive. And, and I think our players do a good job of everybody holding each other accountable and, and towards a, in terms of making sure we're accomplishing what we want every day in practice and, and making sure things are hard and challenging. And then, you know, on game days, this, you know, when the pressure comes on, we're going to revert to our habits and, and hopefully we've built great habits that, that will get us wins and, and get us to where we're trying to get, you know, at the end of the year. Sure. Well, I appreciate the time. I noticed um, your cohort, Brian Lane, may have been watching in tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, Brian's an old friend, but we haven't had him on the show recently. We've had you on a few times. I'm hoping we're not creating any jealousy in the offices. Oh, you know, I, I have to, you know, admit I am. I feel quite lucky <laughs> that I get to work with Brian Lane. I, I think I've probably got one of the best partnerships next door of anybody in the country and um you know he is a huge sport of our team and you know our teams uh you know we, we get along and and i i love working with him i feel very lucky did he slip you like a hundred dollar bill or something <laughs> to say nice things <laughs> no, about but maybe him? i'll get one tomorrow now yeah apparently wow that was a <laughs> hell of a sell job you just gave <laughs> i don't know well, if he deserves that much is 100, i'll split it with you Okay. Okay. I, I'll take you up on that, and I will. I do have sources on that campus. I will find out information if I need to. Uh, <laughs> Coach, great chatting with you. Congratulations so far on what you guys have accomplished. Good luck the rest of the way. Looking forward to seeing what the pioneers can do, and in, in what, admittedly, is a very interesting conference uh, this yeah. year. Um, <laughs> I, I hard to make of it. Um, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those before uh, before we let you go? Well, you know, like I said at the beginning, I just appreciate everything that you do for Division Three, and you know, there are a lot of great players and talent and coaches, and and it's nice when when the players get the recognition that they deserve. Well, thanks. You can keep the other side of the hundred then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the kind words, Coach. Thanks for coming on. It makes our lives and our abilities and our, our efforts a lot easier. So certainly appreciate it as well. Good luck. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. 
All right. Have a good night, Dave. Take care. Julie, folks, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Don't forget, if you are a school looking to find a new way to broadcast or maybe a new streaming platform to use, Blue Frame Technology is your place to go. Give them a, a reach out to them at blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Production truck software from the, the basics, or maybe you just need a better streaming platform like the one we're using uh, that allows you to stream um, at multiple speeds on mobile devices, computers, maybe even the big screen through their Team One Sports app that allows you to stream on Roku or, or Apple TV, Amazon TV, uh, or Android, whatever the case may be. Blue Frame Technology is our partners on the Hotline and as broadcasting partners and give them a call or give them an email or look them up. Blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them we sent you. Uh, we, we'd love to know that this partnership that we have with Blueframe Technology is working out for all parties. We're going to keep it here. Normally we'd take a break. Sometimes it gives us a chance to say goodbye to a coach off air, but we're going to keep it here because we're already uh, past the two hour mark. So we're going to wrap things up here without taking a break. Um, Transylvania really quick uh, at Rose Holman as we mentioned then at Mount St. Joseph home on the 20 uh, on January 25th against Anderson then back on the road the 29th against Franklin February 1st against Defiance and February 5th at Earlham so those games all on the road that's five of the next six before they'll return home and as we said finish up three of the last four, uh, five games uh, at home so there you go uh, we were keeping track of some scores we mentioned um, in women's basketball the only top 25 team playing tonight, Mary, um, Mary Harden-Baylor did survive against Harden-Simmons. I don't have the score in front of me, but it was about a five or six point win for Mary Harden-Baylor. Uh, oh, there it is. It actually updated in my system. 56-49. They get that victory. Other scores on the women's side, nothing else really jumping out at me necessarily uh, in in terms of big games. Our Misericordia Delaware Valley ended up playing today, so I guess maybe the men played today too. Uh, Misericordia won that game handily, 77-36. That game delayed again because on the uh, broken backboard. Um, uh, Let's see, on the men's side, uh, yeah, the men at Misericordia in Delaware Valley played two seventy six sixty four. the final. Speaking of nothing, on the men's side, I forgot to mention this in our top 25 chat, uh, Babson had a fascinating game against Coast Guard. They were down by 18 and Danny Age's son, and I don't remember his first name, I apologize, uh, Mr. Ainge helped lead that team back to win against Coast Guard 94-92. I knew there was a game I wanted to mention, even though most of the top 25, this is so far our first Thursday show of the season where we've had a quiet top 25 in terms of results. Um, now, some of that is because we're into conference play, and a lot of conferences, or some conferences play on the weekends, but some of it's also because teams are getting the wins they need to get um, Swarthmore played Haverford yesterday in Centennial play and ended up being with an 18 point win in the men's side. Haverford's first loss in conference action. Uh, Wittenberg got past Wabash. This is a Wabash team that I think had high expectations coming in. There, Wittenberg is starting to live up to that that hype. Though an interesting conversation on whether their their resume pool at large bid will be great because they don't have an out great out of conference schedule and they don't. But it's interesting that we're already trying to break down pool C. Um, points of view in that sense of SOS numbers. But more importantly, Wittenberg's got Worcester ahead. And, you know, some of us are a little leery. I'm not voting for Worcester yet because I, I don't think Worcester has anything of significance on its count, on its schedule. But we'll see how they do. That's a big game coming up. Uh, and uh, Emory's on the road this weekend into bad weather country. They'll be in New York on Monday, which should be okay, but up in Brandeis on Sunday. We'll keep an eye on that. St. John's jumped into number four this week. 
Um, they've got St. Mary's and Bethel ahead of them. Middlebury's got a three-game week. We're keeping an eye on that one. Big game between Randolph-Macon and Guilford coming up on Saturday in men's basketball. Guilford, of course, is now out of the top 25, but a team and a lot of people like myself were voting for. I think Guilford would love to get that win. Randolph-Macon would love not to give up a second loss in two weeks in general. We mentioned the Platteville's got their big game against lacrosse coming up. Uh, Marietta had a uh, big win over Capital, though. One of the greatest uh, or one of the best um, um, hustle plays I've ever seen came out of that Capital game. Capital defense, uh, well, their offense got pickpocketed, and then two defenders got two straight blocks on layups. It, it's something you got to see. And then took a charge all in the sequence. Um, I know they ended up getting beat by 18 or 28. Maybe I can't do my own math there. Um, but still pretty impressive. Marietta, though, you know, at this point they're they're chugging along. You just want to, you just don't want to see them take a hit. They've got Ohio Northern coming up. St. Thomas recovered from the loss to St. John's, which wasn't as close as I expected it to be with a win over Carrollton. They got St. Mary's ahead. Elmers continues to play well. We talked to Nebraska Wesley and Colby still undefeated. They got Middlebury coming up this weekend and then Williams. So we'll know a lot about Colby this weekend and whether they are living up to this 13 and 0 start that they've had halfway through the season. Um so a lot of interesting games ahead. That's halfway through your top 25. I'm trying to find some other games that might jump out at me. I think Whitworth's got a lot to prove. They got George George Fox and Pacific ahead of them. They're ranked. Uh, but I got still some questions. Amherst is surprisingly still ranked and I, and I mean that seriously after losing two of three last weekend. They've got Bates and Tufts this weekend. Virginia Wesleyan, which I have a lot of questions about. I'd love to know how good they are. They got Passion and Dover. They got Roanoke ahead this weekend. And then St. Norbert got into the top 25. They're actually having a much better season. I think a lot of people realize got past Beloit and they got Knox ahead of them. On the women's side, um, Tufts continues to play well, but they got Hamilton and then Amherst. Big battle in the NESCAC coming up this weekend. It is Tufts versus Amherst coming up. Uh, that game will be at Amherst in women's basketball. Circle that one. Watch it if you can, and expect a game in the 40s. Uh, I don't expect a high-scoring game in that one whatsoever. Bowden, in the meantime, has Williams this weekend and Middlebury after beating Maine Presque Isle. Wasn't even a game. 93-24 was the final on that one. Um, but they've got a big game. Hope defeated Calvin, by the way, in women's basketball in that crazy game that got split and played at the same time at two different places. Hope Calvin men at Calvin. Hope Calvin women at Hope. Um, Hope won at 74-50. Uh, they got St. Mary's ahead of you. As we mentioned, Amherst played Wesleyan earlier this week and got the win. They got Bates and Tufts ahead of them. DePaul playing really well. They got Ohio Wesleyan coming up this weekend, though they barely squeaked past Denison on Wednesday night, 29-47. So these are just some of the games coming up this weekend to keep an eye out on. Scranton Catholic women's basketball should be one to watch for on Saturday. That's at Catholic, weather permitting. Though D.C., I think, it's not supposed to get as nearly as nasty and messy as it is up here in Baltimore. Scranton, unfortunately, has got to drive through it, and that might be the reason for a delay if there is one. Um... Trying to see if there's anything else that jumps out at me in terms of games. Lacrosse and Platteville and women's basketball. Trinity's playing Denver and Colorado College. Shouldn't be a weekend to worry about if you're a Trinity, Texas fan, but still, you know, don't want to assume anything. St. Thomas women in the top 25 again at 11 and 3. They got Carrollton and St. Mary's. Well, they beat Carrollton. Now they got St. Mary's ahead of them. So some interesting games. I, I, this might be one of the quieter top 25s weeks, though. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we get to Sunday and we're talking about kind of being a quiet week. Speaking of Sunday, um, as scheduled at this point, barring that some games get moved and the schedule is not going to allow us the time to get the show on the air Sunday, if that's the case, we'll move it to Monday afternoon. Uh, but or Monday evening, I'm not really sure of that for sure. But well, at this time, still planning to be on the air Sunday evening at seven o'clock Eastern time. Of course, we'll cover the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions in our top twenty-five breakdown as well. Um, also, let's see. A reminder: Super Bowl Sunday, we will not be on the air on Sunday. That Sunday, we will be on the air instead on uh, Monday. Uh, as we as we traditionally have now done it, we had been doing it the day in the middle of the day. It just wasn't working. We moved it to Monday. It's a better mix. That'll be also right after the marathon show, which is scheduled right now tempor- uh, uh, for Thursday the thirtieth. We'll be working this week coming up on finalizing our segments for that. I think that's going to do it. I'm not sure if anybody else has got any questions for us. Oh, it looks like we might have Daryl Duncan. By the way, checking out the show live, Daryl. Uh, thanks for taking the time, sir. My best to your stepdaughter who's battling Sage 4 cancer. I really hope she can battle that off. Um, when does the first set of regional rankings come out? Travis, pump your brakes, my friend. <laughs> Believe it or not, because of the quirks of the calendar, it's a little later than this year than many people are going to be, are maybe going to be ready for me to say. But the first ones will be um, the 12th of February. Week one regional rankings will be the 12th of February. The second one's the 19th. The third one's the 26th. So there is a note in the books. I got to double check on that. They may be the Tuesday, the 25th. That'd be a little odd to me. Um, But I think they'll be the 26th. But we'll check to make sure that that's not final. But that's because the regular season wraps up on Sunday, March 1st this year. It's a quirky calendar because we also had a shortened time between uh, Thanksgiving and and Christmas. And it just, it adds to just kind of a, a wild and wacky schedule this year. So the first regional rankings, believe it or not, are not until the 12th of February. Now, normally with the marathon, we go on the Thursday before that. That won't happen this year. Um, um, but that's just because of, of my scheduling on my side. So, Travis, I hope you're still watching the show. And there's your answer, sir. Um, double checking to see if we didn't get any other questions somewhere else. Just give me a moment. Double checking. No, we have not that way. And we'll double check our email. We have not gotten any emails. So we'll wrap things up. Um, I feel like there was one topic I am forgetting to mention. Uh, We mentioned the broken backboard at the beginning of the show. So if you missed my comments on that, you can also Drew set me up and teed me up for talk about on-demand video. That's in the first block of the show. You can go and grab that. Convention is coming up, by the way, the NCAA convention. We need to keep our eyes on that for a few reasons. One, there's some interesting uh, votes um, coming up. Let's see here. That's future. Oh, the convention in uh, 2021 will be in Washington, D.C. So I guess I know where I'll be going on January 13th to the 16th. But as far as this year, yep, next week. Starts on Wednesday, technically, really Thursday. Um, Oh, yeah, Wednesday, the 22nd. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the reason being is that we've got um, some changes to the timeline for anybody new to Division Three institutionally-wise, when they may be able to finish the process. Trying to take a year off the process, wouldn't be surprised if that passes, but that might be a hint that D3 is willing to, maybe, or or, or is hearing from potential members that they want, that the the process is too long. We also have to keep an eye on whether St. Thomas will be um, granted, or I should say D1, will grant a pathway from D3 to D1 that doesn't exist now. That will give us a hint on whether St. Thomas is likely going to be moving forward. If that is denied, then St. Thomas is not going to D1 
at the conclusion of the 2021 uh, academic year. Um, if that is accepted, then the next phase of that is to whether St. Thomas will be accepted into the new system. You would think if they're creating a new system, it's because St. Thomas is in mind because the Summit League wants St. Thomas uh, after they've been kicked out of the, of the MIAC. So you would assume that should they, they approve it at D1 for this D3 to D1 jump, that St. Thomas will be approved in a month or, or so after that, but or, or maybe immediately. But I've been told the uh, convention decision in January and a St. Thomas decision in February. Uh, so that's how you put it together. So if D1 accepts it, we're probably going to see St. Thomas jump. If they don't accept it, and folks, it's completely possible. Who knows? Uh, then that, that road is closed for St. Thomas. And we'll keep that an eye on that. So shortening of the calendar for D3 membership, maybe St. Thomas membership. There's going to be a conversation from what I've been told on uh, formally going to 10 regions in basketball, changing regions across all sports in Division Three. That is not a membership vote. That is a, from what I've been told, a commissioner's conversation. And basically, should they be okay with things, I guess, is a simple way of saying it. It will move forward from that. We'll try and get a little bit more information ahead of Sunday. And then we'll obviously keep track of things ahead of next Thursday's show. The votes will take place in 10 days uh, Saturday morning. Now, it's out in Anaheim, so the business meeting that usually takes place at 8 in the morning will still take place at 8 in the morning. But for us on the East Coast, it's an 11 o'clock meeting, which is perfect. Um, There's a couple other things also on the uh, voting docket. We also have to keep an eye on the Capital Athletic Conference. They'll be having meetings apparently with members that may come into the conference, there's one thought that it's the ACAA that they're going to be meeting with and whether they'll combine as a conference. And, of course, with that sidebar, will Division Three put in the realm of if you want an AQ, you got to play a certain amount of conference games uh, scheduled for, for each sport. Those are the kinds of things that are going to be going on at this convention. It's too bad I can't make the trip out there, but that's the stuff we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, as well. Maybe the CAC is meeting with other members, not the ACAA members. I have not been able to get my heads or tails on it as of yet, but I hope to make some progress on it in the next week. That should do it for us, folks. I just want to make sure nobody threw any last-second questions at us as I see some friends jump on. I see uh, Travis John saying, thanks, Dave. Just pumped for T3 Bracketology. Man, Tra- Travis, give me, some, give me some time, man. Give us some time. I think the Pool C conversation started way too early this year. I blame Bob Quillman. I know he's probably tuned in. Um, I, I know he wanted to talk about it in, in the wrap-up to the first semester when we did our pre-Christmas show, and I was fine with dabbling in it, but now it's turned into a constant weekly conversation, and I don't think it's helping anybody. Um, so much can change in the next six weeks of the season before we are done and dusted with the regular season that I just don't think the Pool C conversation, especially for anybody who's new to this, but that's a different side of it but I, I just I know they love doing it on the D1 side I think it's too complicated on the D3 side I want to wait until maybe the end of January before we really dive into it we're not even at we're not close to regional rankings yet Rank, committees haven't come close to looking at this stuff um, so there there's my spiel for you uh, that's going to do it for Hoops I want to thank all of our guests who came on the show Sonia Raman from um, from uh, from MIT, who is in our WBCA segment. I want to thank her SID, Mindy Brower, for her help as well. Also want to thank uh, Dale Wellman from Nebraska Wesleyan, his SID, Alex Linden. I want to thank uh, Coach Keckler, Daryl Keckler from uh, Drew and Braden Snyder, formerly of Gettysburg, now of Drew. And I want to thank uh, Julie Folks from Transylvania coming on the show. And, of course, Justin Sweeney, our friend. 
for helping us get that on the show Sunday. We will have four segments again, plus Bob and and maybe Ryan. I don't remember the, the breakdown uh, if we get them both this Sunday or not, but we'll talk about the top 25. I think I'm going to change it up too on them a little bit. Uh, talk about some other topics per the top 25. But that's all coming up. That's it, folks. That was a long segment. I got to get going. We got to get going. Anybody listening to the podcast is probably like, hey, we're good. We don't need to listen anymore. Um, a reminder, again, Blue Frame Technology is our friends and partners, and we hope you'll take full advantage of uh, their... Sorry about that. Dropped my audio. Uh, we're streaming on their Team One Sports app at Blue Frame Technology, so don't forget that. Apple TV, Roku TV, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, and of course, there are our sponsors of our hotline. BlueFrameTech.com. BlueFrameTech.com is how you can tune into them to listen, and we hope you'll take full advantage of that. Or, or not listen, but if you want to get production truck software or whatever. I, I saw a stat the other day. I think they're now involved with one-third of the NCA schools across all three divisions. That's a pretty impressive number, uh, to say the least. That'll do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back Sunday as scheduled at 7 o'clock Eastern, barring any changes to games that forces us to go uh, change our schedule around. But stay with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or Instagram, at D3Hoopsville there as well, and hashtag Hoopsville, as we will uh, provide updates, as it were, to that schedule, barring a change. If there's no change, we're not changing it, but you can find out who's going to be on the show there as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com, Blue Frame Technology, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, who are sponsors of our center court segment here this evening, and the National Association of Basketball Coaches, especially the Division Three group in that, in that entity, who are sponsors of our center court segment. Any men's basketball coach involved with the NABC who appears on this show is part of the NABC Coaches Corner. I want to thank everybody for their help. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you back here on Sunday evening. This copyrighted broadcast is with all rights and reserved on DMAC Productions. If you'd like to use it in any way, shape, or form, please contact us so we can give you formal permission to do so. You've been listening to Hoops, so we'll see you back here on Sunday night. Because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoops. So. Good night, everybody.